2: Welcome everyone. Welcome to the RHAP Wrestling Rahap Up. Yes, I said the Wrestling Rahap Up. So please hang those vintage Steve Austin posters. Dust off your WWF Mattel action figures because today we are going to be talking all things wrestling. My name is Mari Forth and with me I have my co-host my tag team partner, if you will, the Christian to my edge, Mr. Matt Scott. Matt, how are you doing today?
3: I'm just happy to be here, Mari. I'm happy to be your Captain Charisma, to your Rated R Superstar. And it is lovely to dive in to the first episode of The Wrestling Wrap-Up. Let me just, in the spirit of Ric Flair, the nature boy, woo, sorry for wooing in everyone's ears, but that's probably not going to be the last time that that happens this episode or on this podcast. So thank you, Mari, for starting us out
2: yes uh and i am so glad to be here when i tell you we have been kind of working on this for like the last couple months and really trying to get (laughs) rob to uh, give us this uh this podcast it's been amazing it's a dream come true i'm so glad to be here with you and to be here with all of our our uh the listeners to just talk all things wrestling
3: yeah. And I'll just say Rob has a podcast. Mari and Matt now have a podcast. All is yes. right with the world. And we really appreciate you listening here, whether you are longtime long time wrestling fans or completely new to all of this
2: yes exactly um, we wanted to do this uh, this podcast basically because this is the most exciting time in WWE like this is the road to WrestleMania this is the part of the year where the most like casual uh, fans tune back in because the Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania this is literally the most exciting time in wrestling so we convinced Rob uh, <laughs> to at least give us a little trial right here so that we could escort you guys down the road to Wrestlemania
3: yeah yeah and we'll we'll walk you through if you don't know what Wrestlemania is well you have a lot to learn if you don't know what the Royal Rumble is it's coming up soon so we'll walk you through that but consider us to be your friendly guides through the wrestling world and through this process in the form of this podcast Aren't yeah ready?
2: what are they what do they call the people that help you up like Everest? Like the sh- the shaman? Not sure shaman, like, the
3: shaman. Sure yes. Yeah, we're I
4: thought the I thought you
3: were going to say sommelier because we saw uh, saw oh, a sommelier God. that we're going to talk about a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, we're going
2: to talk about the sommelier, and it's too it's too early in the morning over here, Matt, for the sommelier. So uh, maybe if we decide to do a, a, a evening time uh, podcast, maybe we can break out the the wine and stuff. But um, I was going <laughs> to say, moses
3: are definitely great for for brunch. So It is
2: brunch time, yes. (laughs) And we're all missing brunch because we're all staying inside. Um, But we definitely, another thing we wanted to do, we wanted to do a wrestling podcast that is um, just kind of different than a lot of the ones out there. Um, We want to do something that's fun, right, Matt? Something uh, that doesn't take wrestling as serious.
3: Yeah. And and I think one thing that is so tough about wrestling sometimes and actually about all shows, I mean, for anyone who's listening, who's a reality TV fan, a Big Brother fan, it is easy to get down in the dumps about what you're watching and to get critical, especially on Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. Yeah. So I think like this is our chance to really just have fun and have a conversation and also look at pro wrestling through our, len- our lenses, which are unique yeah. and a lot different than what you might hear on your typical wrestling podcast.
2: Yeah, and i've I've I have been guilty of getting down into the negative portions of wrestling, getting down into the getting sucked into the fandoms, the standums, and just really um, being negative about the product. But um, I think this year, kind of like the pandemic, has kind of shifted for me, like my thoughts and priorities around stuff it's just like there's so much real negativity going on in the world that i wrestling is escapism you should be able to just take it at face value you should just be able to play along with the wrestlers play along with the storylines there are some storylines that not everybody likes or agrees with but there's a lot of other good stuff that's still there you know
3: Yeah. And I'll I'll just add that I think for a lot of people who are listening, whether you are a hardcore wrestling fan or someone like a lot of people who might have been a fan around the Attitude Era, which was late 90s, early 2000s, around the time when there was Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Mm -hmm. all of those people. The thing is wrestling for us then. And I know like for me, I was uh, a lot younger. I was a kid at that time, but it was special. And I think part of like what I'm at least trying to recapture is that special energy like if I could have fun as a kid as a teenager watching wrestling mm-hmm. or if we could have fun doing that then we could definitely do it now and um, we're gonna try to keep it like there will be some stuff that we'll have to really go in on but yeah that's me and we just we just shoot on everything and that's exactly. probably the first wrestling term that that you'll that you'll start to hear from us
2: yeah exactly and just like Matt said we want to we want to appeal to people who are currently watching watching the products, who call themselves diehard wrestling fans, who are part of that wrestling fandom, but we also want to try and um, explain stuff for the casual fans, or for people who have absolutely no idea what they're listening to. Like, we want to be able to encompass all of that. So bear with us as we try and work through all of that, Um, but the good thing is uh, we're also not, not only are we going to go over the weeks events in wrestling, but we're going to have lots of fun guests in the future. A lot of RHAP faithfuls, a lot of um, familiar faces, maybe some newer faces that you don't see as often. And then we're going to have, we're going to play, try and play some games too. So we're going to try and keep it as lighthearted as possible while going over the subject matter. And then if we got to get dirty and shady, we're going to get dirty Ooh. and shady.
3: Yeah. Right? We're going to get down, down and dirty, like, yeah. like, a, like a dog. <laughs> Like a dog, so uh, yeah, and I, I think one thing—it's so perfect that you set that up, Mari, because we're gonna have guests, but I'm sure a lot of people are wondering who we are, and we yeah. are definitely gonna introduce ourselves more in case you're wondering who these two random um, wonderful <laughs> food voices are. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I think maybe that's—is that a good—is it a good time to start to talk about that, Mari? To start to yeah. Time- because Let's
2: I some questions.
3: Yeah, and I think part of what I just wanted to start with is, you know, you, you are really the the anchor, you are the the edge to my Christian in this podcast. You're the rated R superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm the I'm Captain Charisma uh, in that in that dynamic. Uh, whether yeah. you want to take that or leave it. But um, you know, I wonder like what got you into wrestling? What's your history with wrestling? Um You know, when did you start watching?
2: Yeah. So, funny story. Uh, I started watching during the Attitude Era, but I was 10. I was 10 at the time. And um, I was in, I remember I was in fifth grade, and Everybody would come to class and they'd talk about, oh, this happened, this happened. Um, I lived in Hawaii. And so uh, in Hawaii, there's a lot of, yes, uh, Samoan culture was big. And at that time, there was a lot, you know, the Samoan wrestling dynasty, which we'll get into a little bit later, was very huge in the Attitude Era. And so a lot of the kids in my class would come in and they would talk about WW, WWF at the time and they would, they would talk and one of the guys I liked, liked wrestling and so I said okay, I, the next week I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna watch um, wrestling, I'm gonna come in the next day, next Tuesday and I'm gonna be able to talk with everybody and he's gonna like me so I did that, I went home, I watched wrestling, I came back the next day everybody was talking about wrestling and I had no idea what they were talking about because I was watching WCW while everybody else was watching WWF.
3: Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> World Championship Wrestling for those who, who haven't heard of it. And if you haven't heard of it, it's probably because they shut down about 20 years ago. But,
2: yes. um, I mistake. accidentally watched WCW during the Monday night Wars while everybody else was watching WWF. Um I eventually I you know it was a crush. I let it go, but I didn't let go of wrestling. I actually once I realized what I was doing, I started watching both. And it's so funny when I recount like what I remember from those days. Days to people because um, I didn't realize as a kid that it was two separate things. You know what I'm saying? I just thought, I was like, I was watching WCW. I like these people there's a commercial I'm switching over to WWF and I like these people. And you know what I'm saying? It was really a back and forth. And I don't think my mind at that time, honestly realized <laughs> like it was a fight for wrestling supremacy, you know, at that time. So, um, I ended up be- becoming a, a huge fan of both WWF and WCW, uh, like Matt kind of alluded to WCW went under and then they, uh, most of that talent went to WWF and I, and I've been watching, I've been watching ever since, um, very heavy in the attitude era from so about like from 99 to about 2006 I was like heavy as much as I could be but I was still young so you know it's through the lens of being young and then I took a break because I got older the women's division took a turn that I didn't really like and I honestly didn't come back to it until later. So uh how about you, Matt? What got you into wrestling? Initially?
3: Whoa, whoa, Mari, I have one question based on what you said. What where's your whatever happened to your your crush at the time? Do you know? Oh, where we are now?
2: We're just we're just we're just we just became friends. Like he became one of like my best guy friends and um yeah.
3: Just wow. cool. Well, I hope he's listening right now. Shout out to Marty's <laughs> no, crush who her not, into wrestling. <laughs> uh, and like speaking of crushing, I got into into wrestling when I was. Well, actually, I was not crushing people in the wrestling video games at the time. I was watching my older brother and uh, other friends play wrestling while I fought for the controller on I think the N64 probably playing a game yeah. called No Mercy at the time okay. and so my intro to wrestling which I think was a ton of people's intro to wrestling was through the video games and I didn't even realize that it was real at the time this must have been or like that, that wrestling was a real thing with actual people at the time I should say wow. um, where maybe like 98 99 um, is when I just started to play the games. And then I remember searching the internet just became a thing. So a little bit came up on Google, but like ultimately I didn't really truly start watching wrestling until maybe 2000 and I was just flipping through the channels and then saw it come up and I saw a segment with The Undertaker and Vince Mm -hmm. McMahon and I was like oh this is that thing I was playing and I eventually figured out when it would be on this is about like eight or nine year old me and ever since I've been hooked but I think the thing that's magical especially with the internet is that There were all of these different news sites and forums. And so while I was just a fan of the wrestling product on TV at first, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole, you know, logging into my AOL account at the time Mm -hmm. where I was like really discovering a lot about wrestling. The dirt sheets or the news sites that talk about wrestling is something I discovered a lot earlier than most wrestling fans like by the time I was 10 and there's all sorts of wild wrestling news at the time wrestling for those who don't know used to be a like the wild west essentially um and a lot a lot more all over the place a lot more wild than it is now but that's kind of where I immersed (laughs) myself and then by like what you were saying like 2006 I was definitely a WWE super fan, but I was also an indie wrestling fan. I went to my first independent wrestling wow. shows or small okay. wrestling shows in mm-hmm. like 2004. I I met some of the wrestlers at the show. There were there the wrestlers like Amari. Have you ever heard of uh, Red Hot Russ or Johnny Thundar or uh, or <laughs> Flash no, Jennings?
4: No, Flash Jennings. God, oh, who are they? On. No, Um, I don't. I I don't
3: know. I don't know where they are now. Okay. Uh, But (laughs) those were like the wrestlers I was also being introduced to. So I was a huge fan, even leading up to like end of high school um in high school I did this you're learning this all for the first time all of yeah. you including Mari uh, yeah. I did something called a youth summer clinic where I actually like learned how to do like drop kicks and run the ropes in an actual Whoa. wrestling
4: ring for like six <laughs>
3: days I know I'm super qualified wow, awesome.
4: <laughs> no,
3: it was cool. and then like and then like I graduated high school and went to college and then I realized like Oh, like Monday Night Raw's on at eight PM on Mondays, but like I have uh, like Three. homework to do and yeah. like a social, life, and I just kind of fell out oh. of it. I fell out of it week to week, but always followed along and just kind of kept up with the product. And um, you know, now we're we're here where I'm still like tapped and still watching. Not as big of a fan as I once was, definitely, but it still has a a soft place in my heart. So. That's it It was like a favorite, a favorite wrestler that, that you had Mari or, you know, I'm like so curious to give people a little bit more of an idea of that kind of stuff before we actually dive into the current product
2: yeah um as of right now the wrestler whose gimmick i i identify with the most has to be naomi like i Mm -hmm. love naomi um she's on the current roster she's been with wwe for at least it's been like 10 or 12 years around that now um she you would know her because she went viral she went like viral on twitter last year during the royal rumble because she she was gone for a while and she came back in the royal rumble she's a beautiful black woman beautiful black woman who has who had the she came back with the royal rumble with the biggest fro and all of her um clothes are all that she's called the glow queen because she um she just comes out with bright colors that glow in the dark, and her entrance is amazing. She's a former dancer. She's one of the most athletic women on the roster, and she's criminally underrated and underused. And I, and I identify with that, and a lot of Black women deal I identify with that. And she came out last year in the Royal Rumble had the loudest pop, which is uh, loudest uh, audience uh, reaction. And um, she she had a like a it was like a three minute sequence with um Charlotte Flair and uh, Bianca Belair that it went super viral on twitter like celebrities started retweeting it i know at one point kiki palmer asked to play her in a movie like that's how like it got pretty big it went mainstream and naomi was has also been in total 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 bellas so she's known through that avenue too and i just love her like spirit i i I loved watching her on total bellas i i love watching her and her husband and it's just she is just like the epitome of of everything for me, so I identify with her and her gimmick because her gimmick is just about like basically being positive, finding that inner glow, knowing your worth, stuff like that. so she's who I identify with right now um how about you matt
3: yeah it's It's interesting because there are there have been a lot of different people I've identified with over time. I would say you know definitely when I was growing up again. I had so many faves, but like one person who stands out who I know that we'll we'll I'll talk about later on, uh, none other than Lita. Lita, who was partially known as the queen of extreme. She was with yes. the Hardy boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. um, in a tag team. And essentially Lita was different in the sense that she always, you know, sh- she she was really a woman in a male-dominated world, and I think yeah. a lot of people look at Trish Stratus as this star, and and I think Trish Stratus might be the one out of Trish and Lita who might end up on the Mount Rushmore for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but the thing that's unique about Lita, and I guess the thing that I resonated with is being someone who is different and showing up and still shining. So, like, mm-hmm. she, she's been in matches with Stone Cold Steve Austin, The yeah. Rock, with You could, you know, name a guy who was leading in that era and she's been in a match with them or even like taking their their finishing move or whatever it might be. So Lita was really awesome. And I think an inspiration that way of just like be yourself, do your thing, um, you know, accomplish whatever you're going to accomplish. And that was an inspiration. But I think of people today, it's tough. I would say. Honestly, Big E, Big E, yeah. formerly known as Big E Langston, uh, another, uh, large, uh, black man. Yeah. And he is, he is, I think it's on the face value. The thing I appreciate about him is you. You, you know, you might see someone who you're intimidated by who's really mm. tough, and I think he does have some of those elements to his character. Um, Big E, but he's part of the new day, a tag team that is all about fun. They're always wearing the brightest yeah. outfit, uh, really gyrating their hips, and yep. that's what Big E is all about. So I could relate to that. So, yeah, I'm just like, I'm uh, you know, Big E is, is my person right now, but this and is. I-
2: are those are apt comparisons because like Biggie and Naomi, like they are black wrestlers uh who don't fit that typical like they 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 wouldn't fit into that intimidating that that nation of domination style um uh characters they're they're characters where they're black people having fun and especially with the new day and biggie they they have they have a lot of video game references or anime references in their gimmicks and pop culture references and it's just nice to see um black people and black wrestlers be portrayed in such a positive way and, and 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 be faces and be universally loved
3: yeah, and I'm just going to say disclaimer you will hear us talking about identity, talking about these real yeah. world issues as we go along, because frankly, there aren't enough people talking about it when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. And this is part of what we see as fans. And we hope that, you know, in hearing us talk about it, that you could relate. Um, and so, as yeah. we walk through the highlights of the week and everything else, you're going to be hearing uh, our different takes on different people uh, and different yeah. things. But yeah, I, I'm glad that Big E and Naomi are there to be inspirations for us and I think we're probably pulling for them in the Royal Rumble this yeah. year I would imagine um, not sure how well they'll do but pulling for them always rooting for everyone black
2: <laughs> exactly to quote the famous Issa Rae um, before we move on one question Matt what's your favorite wrestling match of all time
3: this is a great question so Uh, there, there are a lot and I have a feeling that one of my top three is probably your match, but, um, I'm going to leave that, leave it to you and we'll, we'll see how predictable that is. My favorite wrestling match in the spirit of not taking things too seriously features none other than Kenny Omega. from All Elite Wrestling AEW another product that is not WWE these are separate companies but we'll Mm -hmm. definitely be talking about Kenny Omega at different points as we go along this podcast he had a match I think around like 2009 Mm -hmm. with a 9 year old girl
2: (laughs) That came out of left field. As soon as you said 2009, I was like, wait, not the, uh, yeah, the yeah. nine year old girl Kenny Omega fight. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: She kind of like, she hit him with like a flying crossbody off the top rope out to the outside. This is a girl who's probably like three feet tall. Yeah, but like, wrestling is grown, man. Uh, for those who are familiar with wrestling, she did Tilt World, DDT, like all these other moves. And I think the thing that's so incredible, one, is that that was the first time I was introduced to Kenny Omega, who is mm-hmm. known, widely as the best wrestler in the world to a lot yeah. of people mm-hmm. and also i just saw the magic of pro wrestling in that moment because to see a nine-year-old girl well number one a lot of wrestling companies would not let that happen which is probably great for liability yeah. reasons <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. i am not a lawyer but what i will say is that i am a wrestling fan who loves to see People having fun, not taking it too seriously. And I would absolutely encourage anyone who's listening to search for Kenny Omega versus nine-year-old girl from DDT Pro Wrestling in Japan because it's just really, it's fun. It's not taking itself too seriously um and that that always comes to mind is one of my favorites i have to i have to put that up there
2: so we're going to be talking about a, a, a lot of clips uh during this uh during our our highlight clips so w- let's add that we'll add that clip into our show notes uh all of the the clips we've talked about today in our highlights will be in our show notes so you can click on them and watch it along with us um that is funny uh so <laughs> my favorite pro-, pro wrestling match of all time, which I know you know, is, of course, Sasha Banks versus Bayley, Brooklyn, uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 2015. It is, yeah. it is honestly the most iconic match in the modern era. What, m- maybe the, the best women's wrestling match of all time.
3: Let me uh, ask, what makes this match so great, Mari? Because uh, people are probably wondering, Sasha Banks. Who's Sasha? First of all, if you're wondering who Sasha Banks is, I think you have a problem with Mari. But yeah. thing.
2: log off right now. Log <laughs> off. Uh, <nobody's
3: laughs> um, yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> but, uh, also, like, what made that match between Sasha Banks and Bailey so uh, powerful? What made it stand out to you, Mari?
2: so um my husband now we were dating at the time he was watching watching wrestling and um he was like he was starting to get me into wrestling we were slowly getting back into wrestling near the end of 2014 and uh 2015 we were actually in new york and we were in the product we were knee deep into the product now and he kept saying like oh you gotta watch nxt nxt is wwe's uh it was their developmental brand. It started off as their developmental brand. So it wasn't on TV originally, and it was something you had to kind of go seek out. And he would say, like, there's this girl in NXT that I think you would really like. Her name is Sasha Banks. Like, you should check her out. You should check her out. I was like, okay, I will when I get a chance, you know. And then we, uh, we watched the SummerSlam, the Brooklyn SummerSlam in 2015. We went to, uh, the Raw after it, um, because we were living in Brooklyn and, you know, it's a whole weekend. So when when WWE does their pay-per-views, they do a, a whole weekend. So they normally have like the TakeOver on Saturday. Um, they have the pay-per-view, which was the SummerSlam on Sunday. And then they have the Raw Raw after the pay-per-view on Monday. And we had tickets for the Raw after on Monday. We watched SummerSlam. And I decided to watch the TakeOver from that night before. And it was the first NXT TakeOver i ever seen. I didn't know any of the characters going into it um sasha and bailey they they run their package they have the match and when i tell you it was it was the match that got me in into back into wrestling like of course like i said my my husband was like you know gearing me up for it but after i saw that match it was just like this i i want to experience this all the time and What's so good about that match is the wrestling, the psychology in the match. Again, I had had not seen these characters beforehand, but I knew exactly what their whole entire feud was about from this one match. That's what makes Sasha Banks and Bayley so good because you don't need to see the feud outside of it. They will tell you in the ring and that's what's missing. I really feel like that's what's missing in a lot of um, matches nowadays, that in-ring psychology that, I mean, it was just so brutal, such a brutal match. You felt that Bailey needed to win. You felt how villainous Sasha Banks was just by like tormenting Bailey's number one fan and Izzy, like, it was was honestly the best match of all time, and I love it, and if you poll a lot of women's wrestling fans out there now, they will, right now, they will tell you that that's the match that brought them in. So, sorry, I had to get on my soapbox, because that is literally my favorite match of all time.
3: Yeah, and the goal, I think one of our goals is to really get people who don't feel engaged with wrestling into it, and that is the match to watch. Like, it's not only one of the best matches, because you know, I think for for women's wrestling, oftentimes people will section everything out into these are the best women. This is the best women's match. Yeah. This is the you know, who, whatever that might be by gender. It is one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. Yeah. It is on my list here. And if I didn't go with Kenny Omega and the <laughs> nine year old girl, it would have been Sasha Banks, the boss and Bailey, uh, mm-hmm. the role model who we will oh, talk about as we yeah. go along in the yeah. highlights.
2: So uh, let's just jump right into the highlights because we've talked enough about ourselves. Uh, Maybe not, but uh, so we're going to start off. (laughs) We're going to start off with raw each week. We're going to do the highlights from the week this week. It'll be um, from January 11th to January 15th. Um, We're going to be doing raw. NXT and SmackDown and then we'll be talking a little bit about AEW as well so as these weeks go along we're going to just be highlighting the things that basically most stood out in all the shows. We're not going to do a comprehensive walkthrough of each one of those shows because we'd be here all day. Um, <laughs> so we're going to just try and incorporate stuff that was big, impactful on the week, something that made an impact on Wrestling Twitter because we're both there. You can find us on Wrestling Twitter um, and just uh, from each of the companies and we'll, we'll try and incorporate AEW and impact a lot more, but, um, full disclosure, uh, I, I mostly, you know, watch WWE that they have so much, uh, product that it's hard to kind of watch anything else, but, um, I am going to try and make a, a better effort to, uh, include AEW and some of those other, um, uh, shows. So, first highlights uh we're gonna get into we're gonna get into raw with uh randy orton and triple h opening and headlining the show so basically uh triple h opens the show um calling randy orton out because randy orton has been going on um this tear these past few weeks you know he brought back his legend killer gimmick which is such a good gimmick it's one of his better gimmicks um and uh what was it last week, the week before that, uh Raw, it was Legends Night. And Randy literally spent the whole night just tormenting all of these legends, including Big Show, Mark Henry, Ric Flair. So Triple H called Randy Ore Now. Um, it was this was a very overlong promo, Matt. What do you, what did you think?
3: Let me just say when it comes to Randy Orton, I mean, I think part of Randy Orton's gimmick, it's definitely him being this like creep or that you know, he goes by the viper. He went by the viper really, especially a few a few years back. But he's the viper. He's just a snakey. And if I want to tie him into current events, I would say, and I'm not gonna go into the details because I don't want to get in legal trouble, but yeah. like the character of Randy Orton. I would say is like the army hammer of the of WWE. Oh no! <laughs> what yeah. am I wrong?
2: I mean, I get what you're saying. Very charming outside, and then just very an undertone of sneakiness to it. That woo. You you came out hot with that one, Matt. I like I that. Mean, I mean like it's
3: uh, <laughs> yeah. look there's a lot of freaky stuff happening with Randy now. He keeps showing up, he's staring uh fear uh and, and flames in the face. Yeah, uh, yeah and yeah, I mean honestly he'd probably want to eat both of us. So I'm just gonna put <laughs> it out on the table in hopes that it doesn't happen.
2: Randy Orton, he let's see, what has he done in the last few months? He's he's what? He's throw he he's Punted Big Show. He, he's, he's, uh, hit Ric Flair in the, the nuts. Uh, sorry, everybody. Um, he set the fiend on fire. Um, and he, he then to set Alexa Bliss on fire. So Randy is kind of like, he's going there, y'all. He, he's going there
3: yeah we and, appreciate it and we're and, and we will say his real the the randy orton uh the, the actor the performer randy orton is randy orton by name so just so you know yeah. we i am not saying that the person randy orton <laughs> likes to eat other humans and do other yeah I other stuff it. that you know who knows you know everyone you do your thing like get into it whatever <laughs> right just No don't king hurt shaming. yeah no kink shaming here that's not what this <laughs> podcast
2: Oh, oh my God! We are one co- podcast, and we were talking about King Shady. Anyway,
3: <laughs> anyway.
2: <laughs> Triple H—they came out. They did this this promo, basically Triple H saying he's he's um, he's disgusted with Randy's uh, with what Randy's been doing. Um, Randy was supposed to face Drew on this. Uh, this show. Uh, but Drew was not here. Uh, we'll get into that a l- little bit later. But let me just finish this up. So Randy and Triple H, they goad each other into having not a match at the end of the, the Raw. Uh, Triple H recently, have you noticed this, Matt? But all of the last few matches that Triple H has been in, they're, they're like unsanctioned matches. Have yeah. you noticed this? Like, yeah. like So they didn't have a match Air quotes. They had a fight at the. At, they headlined RAW with a a fight. So there, mm-hmm. there w- wasn't supposed to be a referee. It wasn't supposed to be ringing the bell. It's just them beating on each other, right? Yeah. So we got about seven minutes of them beating on each other when Triple H pulls out his um, signature sledgehammer. Um, the lights start to go out, the the Fiend's music hits, uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt is a character that hopefully we'll get into later on, but let's just stay on track. <laughs> um, the Fiend's music hits, Triple H raises his sledgehammer and it's on fire, and this was great acting by Triple H, like, Triple H raises his sledgehammer and it's auto it's on fire and he's like yo what is going on
3: great great A acting he's been <laughs> yeah. at it for like 30, 20 25 years or so it's almost been a 30 long years time. so yeah. um yeah we're not yeah. surprised he deserves it we need people winning this is a, totally an aside but we definitely need some of these wrestlers winning like emmys and oscars and tonys and grammys oh, really? like i want, I want Triple H to have his e-got by this time next year.
2: <laughs> exactly. Because he pulled that sledgehammer out. It was on fire. He was confused. The lights hit. All the lights go out. All of a sudden, you see Randy Orton and he's looking around the ring. There's no Triple H. He turns around and Alexa Bliss is standing there. Mm-hmm. So Alexa Bliss has been working with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. She It's been like maybe about four months or so now where she is was originally in a feud with uh she, she intervened in a feud between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. And then she slowly got taken over by Bray. She started, um, changing in her appearance and she now is considered I, I don't know what to even call her
3: I would say she's a lot like um, like if I had to give an analogy for X-Men because I grew up loving X-Men mm. that she's kind of like I think before and you know Alexa Bliss is a phenomenal character and lots of personality and she's yeah. sassy and just brings a lot to the table but I would almost think of it like she went from being like a Jean Grey type of character to being the Phoenix. And yeah. literally like with the fire, that's a lot of what she's bringing. But yeah, she yeah. is this creepy supernatural character that has sort of evolved. Like think about, I almost picture like zombie cheerleader is, is yeah. probably a good way of describing a lot of what um, her character brings to the table. Yeah,
2: very, it's a very evil doll t- uh, type character. And mm-hmm. she's just, she's Bray Wyatt's, I guess, associate. She's just like, his muse, they're 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 just together and scaring people basically. And Bray Wyatt is gone because, like we said, uh, Randy Orton lit him on fire. <laughs> back um, in, yeah. <laughs> yes, back in like TLC, and um, so she's been kind of toying with Randy in his stead, and so she pops up behind him. Her gloves read play or pain, which is pretty cool because they matches Bray's a uh, hurt or heel gloves.
3: Mary, so and, much of this ties in with what we we're saying about Army Hammer.
2: I okay, well, <laughs> it does, but you know, we're gonna keep it PG. Rob, Rob this we cannot get canceled on our first podcast, Matt.
3: <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, yeah, we don't want them to get us. Can- look, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking before we get canceled.
2: Please, okay, great. So Alexa Bliss comes out and she. she Randy Orton sees her. It's a a slight stare down. She raises her hand that says pain on it. And then she hits him with a fireball to the face. Matt, what did you think when you saw
3: this? (laughs) Oh my god, I was worried about Randy. Like, I saw his face, like, flaming up a little bit and I'm not ready to see that like he's you know Randy Orton I think is an interesting character because going back 20 years uh about when he debuted in WWE I think he was just more like a typical you know young pretty boy he was he was the superstar whose whose father and grandfather I believe were both wrestlers his third generation and you know his face what is it was his money maker and now he doesn't have that and nah. I'm not excited to see like I think he needs to wrap up wrap himself up in in some gauze for the next few weeks at least to to sell the the 10th degree burns or so, yeah. but whatever I'm not a doctor.
2: Right. This what I tell you this moment popped me so huge which means I I loved it because one of again one of my earliest memories from watching wrestling was watching um a point where um uh Triple H China and Kane. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Triple H was feuding with Kane. And I can't remember if China was like, uh, she was turning on Triple H at that point or something like that, or mm-hmm. something happened. But Kane was trying to hit Triple H with a fireball and accidentally hit China with a fireball.
3: It's amazing and, that she was she was called the ninth wonder of the world before the, those burns. But what am yes. I? Yes.
2: Oh my god! And so my my biggest thing was remembering watching her get hit with Kane's fireball, and then like um her being like coddled, like Triple H coddling her afterwards. <laughs> it was so good. Like I, you know, so I I don't typically subscribe to the whole blood and guts of wrestling or the over the top stuff but when a supernatural gimmick works it it works and it's so hard to get a supernatural gimmick over in these days with the quote unquote reality era some like to call it in wrestling because we just know everything going on behind the scenes so the fiend Bray Wyatt Alexa Bliss's like evil doll evil cheerleader character and this this, you know these flames Randy Orton setting him on fire her shooting a fireball at him this is all really good stuff for us, we know it's fake, like, guys, we know it's fake wrestling's fake. we got that. um but when it's when it's well done like this, it's such a good it's such a good moment to try and get people in on the product,
3: yeah, and I think the the powerful thing about it too is that there are all of these stories intertwined, and also like a lot of possibilities, I think when you have a show ending with someone's face burning, you you could kind of start to go into like the fan fiction fantasy of like, Okay, what like what happens now? Like who puts out the fire? Who's blowing a fire extinguisher in Randy's face? And then he has fire extinguisher fluid in his eyes and it's like how does that all work? I would love to know. So that's one of the things I love about the ridiculousness of wrestling, which is just that it, it leaves you open to the possibilities and you just need to kind of laugh and and chuckle at it yeah, sometimes.
2: Just enjoy it and let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so, um like like we said Randy Orton was originally supposed to face Drew in the main event. Uh Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is the current WWE champion. Um, earlier that day, Monday, or was it either Monday or Sunday night, one of the two, uh, WWE announced that uh Drew McIntyre had COVID. So um Drew was on a series. He he showed up in a sense like he had a series of just um like vignettes just him talking straight to the camera talking about how he caught covid and you know to take it very seriously and he'll be out for a few weeks but he also um accepted Goldberg's challenge because a week ago at Legends Night, Goldberg, as in, yes, any, for all of our listeners who used to listen for back in the day, WCW's Goldberg has been back in the WWE on and off for about uh, four years now. He came out and he challenged Drew for a WWE championship match at the Royal Rumble. And Drew decided to accept the challenge. Um, And what do you feel about this, Matt?
3: So, number one, uh, definitely hoping that, Drew. well, number one, that there's not, there aren't other people who have COVID in WWE, and that is a a whole other dark discussion. We're wishing Drew the best in his health, luckily, from what he shared in just his promo. I I believe he hasn't, he said he hasn't been experiencing symptoms of COVID, so that's really positive to hear, and hopefully things uh, turn around for him, but I think this to me is part of a, you know, actually a really positive trend for Drew. So, um, mm-hmm. this last, last year, um, almost a year ago, actually, we at the Royal Rumble saw Drew win the Royal Rumble and go on to, to WrestleMania and winning the championship. And I think that was powerful to see. And now what we've seen over. This last year is just Drew's character being built up, and I think part of building yeah. up a character is just putting challengers in front of them that um, that they could beat and become more credi- credible against. And yeah. I do see Bill Goldberg as as someone who does that because he has been around recently and there are a lot of legends I know there's a backlash against just like bringing in random legends to come yeah. in and squash or or unnecessarily beat uh, someone who is in the current product but I like the idea of like if you're going to use Bill, Bill Goldberg who's someone who people still will tune into who's someone who people still vividly remember um, from WCW a lot of people saw him at the time as the face of WCW yeah. it's it's not a bad thing that he's here. And I think especially for someone of his age, I I believe he, he's probably right around 50, if not just over 50 years old, from what I remember. Yeah, like, he's it's
2: 50 cool. something or something. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's powerful to, it's cool to cool to see him around and hopefully the match happens. But as you can imagine, in a COVID world, they're you know, card subject to change is what I'll say. Okay, card subject to
2: change. That's a great point. Um <sighs> Goldberg challenging I am not a fan of Goldberg personally I yeah his a lot of his recent work just has not been as up to par um, but I do like him here if he you know as, if they're building up Drew if Drew beats him I like it I like this here this is a good placeholder this is all placeholder feuds until we get you know firmly on that road to WrestleMania and we're seeing what's going to be the headlining for the, the big event so um Again, because Drew had COVID, a lot of Raw was not that good, y'all. <laughs> it just wasn't that good because Drew admitted to having COVID, but there were a lot of Raw superstars that weren't um, present on Raw. So I wonder if they're being cautious and keeping, you know, making a lot of other people who have recently been around him, like, quarantined because we had a lot of wrestlers doing double duty. Yeah. Right there? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And, but I'll also say the other thing about this show is that I think a lot of the booking, uh, a lot of the, the way that the show was written could have used work, like something that I noticed and could relate to. There's a lot going on in the world. There's been a lot going on in the world for like the last 10 months or so. But, you know, the thing I could relate to is that in so many of the matches, We saw wrestlers getting distracted or something like someone was popping up. So that was definitely a theme. And I think, you know, anytime you're seeing just the same type of finish to different matches or the same theme coming up, for instance, uh, just to touch on this briefly part of Raw, we saw uh, Jeff Hardy. In a match. After that match, he gets on the mic, challenge. You know, challenging uh, Elias to a match after uh, just losing a match with Jackson Riker, and then we saw a similar thing with Matt Riddle. And so, I think that this. I, I wouldn't blame the quality of the show on. You know, COVID and Drew not being there, but it definitely seems like they either they were writing as they went along, yeah. or like ten different people were writing and did not compare notes and just happened to have the same exact. Idea. So uh,
2: they, uh, some of the wrestling dirt sheets were saying that they were still writing raw about. 10 minutes until air so i think that's
3: pretty typical though for raw yeah like a lot of what happens in pro wrestling which i think is interesting is that a lot of it's being rewritten even you know leading up to the show and sometimes in a lot of instances we'll see stories in the dirt sheets about um just people getting new notes and and the script changing while the show's on air which i don't know how common that is but yeah, that's, I
2: mean, that type is common, but from what I was reading, it was like not your regular Vince McMahon changed his mind at the last minute. It was, oh, sh- we don't have anything stretch. Yeah, like it was it was like an emergency. So that's why, um, like you said, Matt Riddle did the exact same thing, had a match, either won or lost. To ask somebody out to have another match exactly right after that. Like it, it they did that three times and it, you could just tell that they were clearly just understaffed. They, I feel like there's no other, other reason to do stuff like that unless you're understaffed because it was like, it was like seven people trying to fill a three hour show.
5: Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry. Ooh, a book club.
5: Computer solitaire. Huh? Oh, A whoo-hooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Other than that, um, one of the la- the last highlights we have from Raul, from the women. Was uh, Lacey versus Charlotte Flair? So, Lacey and Charlotte have been—they've been feuding just for like a a week. It's been like maybe a week or two because Lacey was seen flirting with Charlotte's dad, Ric Flair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. Just for 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 context. Oh my god, my sides are literally hurting right now, Mari. As I'm just thinking about this, because uh, Rick Flair, former opponent of of Bill Goldberg, of Goldberg in uh, yeah. in WCW, so he's been around a while. I think he's had probably about a, a forty to. Fifty-year career so yeah, far. Yeah, so, yeah. Just something going like to that. Inter- interject. Um, Rick
2: Flair is like seventy-something. I think. Like, I'm sorry, guys. We will fact check later. But he, like, he's, we,
3: oh. he's no, Yeah, he's, he's known as the dirtiest player in the game. I think he's about yeah. 70, 71 or seventy-two, and so yeah. um, definitely it, it, this this fits the gimmick of dirtiest player in the game.
2: Yeah, Ric Flair is a 16-time world champion regarded as one of the uh, greatest wrestlers, like all-around wrestlers of all time. He's been through it all. He's seen it all. And his daughter is Charlotte Flair. And uh Lacey Evans was flirting with him on Legends Night. And um this got Charlotte mad. They had a match on Legends Night. Um, Charlotte ended up yelling at Ric Flair uh, on that match, which we've seen this before. Charlotte has always, she's brought Ric Flair out. He's accompanied her to the rings. He's helped her win matches before and then she's yelled at him and kicked him to the curb before. So, none of this seemed really new. Um, this week, though, however, uh, Charlotte and Lacey were, were fighting. Ric Flair came out Well, it distracted Charlotte a little bit. Um, Charlotte recovered. Her and Lacey continued to fight while Ric Flair sat at ringside. Ric Flair actually helped Lacey break a pin. Um, Charlotte had Lacey pinned and he he helped Lacey get out of that pin by putting her foot on the ropes. And then when Charlotte was realizing what what was happening, she started to confront Ric Flair. Lacey took advantage of this pinned Charlotte. Ric Flair held Charlotte's foot down so she couldn't kick out. So Charlotte Flair loses to Lacey Evans um, with the help of Ric Flair. And then Charlotte and Ric Flair high it out of there and are backstage seeing, saying that they are gonna go to a hotel.
3: Lace, Lacey and Ric Flair. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting because like we get oh man you have to think that they need some, they could definitely use some family therapy, right, Mari? Yeah.
2: That is, that is an understatement here. Um, so I, the only, okay, this, this, I know, I'm just <laughs> like, a lot to really, take
3: in. I it, mean, it, let, me just, yeah. let me just like repeat what you just said, which is yeah. that uh, Lacey Evans is flirting with Charlotte's father and yeah. Charlotte is turning on his daughter for Lacey Evans.
2: Your Rick is turning on his daughter for Lacey Evans. Yes.
3: Something like that. That's probably yeah. not what I said at all, but it's so mind-blowing. It's almost like yeah. what is going on here? So, the cl- the thing that comes that came to mind for me and I know for you with this is thinking back about 20 years to a Storyline that reminds us a lot of this, which, by the way, I will say, and Mari alluded to this: um, pro wrestling was a lot different 20 years ago. There was a <laughs> lot that's questionable. Uh, you could definitely cancel if WWE didn't embrace its history. You could definitely cancel WWE for a lot of the stuff that's gone on. One of the things, a memorable storyline, great for my 10 year old brain, was watching a storyline between Tori Wilson. Who is blonde, all American pro wrestler? She just actually appeared uh, with WWE on Legends Night Legend. um, in a feud against Don Marie, who was in ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, kind of like a um, uh, I, I can't think of the word, but like a, maybe like a harlot gimmick or something <laughs> like that is what she had yeah. going on, and the whole thing centered around Don Marie flirting with and forming a relationship with, and eventually marrying Tori Wilson's actual real-life father, played by himself, Al Wilson, uh, in this entire storyline. So there are a lot of details there. Uh, Maybe there's a good clip for us going to... Actually, I would encourage you to just go on the WWE Network, network network.ww.com, and just search Al Wilson or Tori Wilson Don Marie to find the whole thing, because it is off the charts, and I don't think that we're gonna get anything quite like that, you know, in 2021. But then again, yeah. I mean this uh this is kind of on the verge of, of that.
2: Yeah, so with Don Marie and Tori Wilson, that was that was a little weird because Al Wilson, Tori's dad, was not a wrestler. Yeah, he tell me not- tell me
3: why it was weird. Tell me why <laughs> that whole <laughs> I know feud was weird.
2: But like, I mean, he he was not a wrestler at all. The only saving grace about this Rick Flair, Charlotte Flair, Lacey. Evans thing is that um, Rick Flair is an actual wrestler, and this you know that makes more sense. The Don Marie Tori Wilson thing it was it was very funny twenty years ago, and you know Don Marie ended up marrying Al Wilson, and then Al Wilson died on the honeymoon, and yeah. that in your window was you know too much you know sex killed him. So yeah, uh, we
3: saw him in his I think he like was in his tight whiteies like, or something. Was, I don't know. Yeah, like, I like, yeah not, not great.
2: So we're getting shades of that with this. The thing is my thought process with this Lacey and Charlotte feud. Um it it's better uh, it's a better feud than when Charlotte Charlotte had left. She Charlotte's been gone for about ooh, like 7 months, or not 7 months. It's been like 6 months or so, something like that. And before she left her and Lacey did have a small feud before she left and it was bad. Um this feud is better. I will give them that. This is a better feud. Um they seem to have uh, they have seem to now know how to work with each other. They used to have really bad in-ring chemistry. Even on Legends Night l- last week, they didn't have really good in-ring chemistry, but I think they've been working with each other in between time, and it seems like they have upped their in-ring chemistry because it wasn't as bad this time. Um, the only reason why I would be invested in this storyline is if Charlotte is if she's really planning to make a complete break from rick flair like we've seen this kind of where she says i don't need my dad anymore and she's dropped her last name she used to sometimes just go by charlotte but she would still come out with the robes she would still come out with the the theme music that was like his so unless this is leading to where charlotte just completely completely redoes her whole entire image then why are we doing this again You know, that's my, my major question, but, uh, we need to move on. So, um, other than that, those were the, the biggest highlights from Raw. We did have some women's action, uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, the former, uh, WWE women's tag team champions face Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke in a tag team match. Just was kind of like a grudge match. Both of these teams have been fighting for the tag team championships for the past two months or so. Um, they, uh, the, the tag team championships are currently on Charlotte Flair and Asuka and Asuka is the raw women's champion. Sorry, I'm throwing a lot at you here, people, but, um, that match was just a, kind of like a filler match. Again, this, uh, this whole show screamed filler because they just did not have the personnel necessary to, um, do raw. So, um, let's move on to something I really want to hear your take on Matt. Uh, we're going to go to AEW for a second. Um, we have one highlight from AEW because it—I I couldn't avoid it. It took wrestling Twitter, especially black wrestling Twitter, by storm um, this week. Uh, uh, Britt Baker DDS. Uh, <laughs> dentist for
3: you, in case you're wondering. She is yes. actually a dentist.
2: She is actually a dentist. Yes, and a wrestler. Yes. She premiered her talk show segment called The Waiting Room. Her and her, her nurse, um, the, the real Tania, I can never say her name. I'm sorry. I will do better on that. They had Cody Rhodes in on The, the Waiting Room, and they wanted him to talk about um, his wife, Brandi Rhodes. is pregnant. She announced her pregnancy a month or so ago. Um, Cody will be on a new show on TT called The Go Big Show. And um, Cody is gearing up. It looks like he's gearing up to face Shaq. So, uh Cody was talking to Britt Baker and Britt Baker Baker. This this was such a good segment because their waiting room was kind of like um it's kind of like a Jenny Jones show or a Jerry Springer thing mm-hmm. because Britt Baker was talking to Cody, and then before Cody could even say a word, she said, Hold up, we have a surprise guest. <laughs> and um, she opens the door, and none other than Jade Cargill um, walks in. Uh, Matt, do you want to give the people a little bit of backstory on Jade Cargill? Oh, I
3: want to. Okay, I have a few thoughts that come to mind. Number one uh, the waiting room must be the most depressing. Wrestling talk show name ever. Right. Like, I don't even know why a guest would show up to the waiting room. Like, oh yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let me just go to the waiting room. Cause that's not the, you know, that's not the most, you know, the, the, the most boring thing I could possibly do right. in this entire arena right now, but that's neither here nor there. Jade Cargill, <laughs> Jade Cargill, she, she debuted, um, on AEW a couple of months ago yeah. um, and showed up interrupting Cody Rhodes who is yeah. you know essentially the man when it comes to to all of the wrestling yeah. to aew and he walk she walks out and you know she just starts talking to her, I have to say not a great start to her legacy not a great promo to start things out but it was interesting because you know speaking of gender in pro wrestling we very rarely see especially in a WWE context, Feuds overlap between men and, and women in, in large yeah. part. And so it was really interesting when we saw Jade, who does tower over Cody. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what their heights are, but I, I mean, Jade's definitely a couple of she inches taller.
2: Is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. He looks phenomenal.
3: Yeah, and so and, and so the thing about that Jade so much that she's bringing the table, She was interrupted by none other than Brandi Rhodes, uh, who Mari. I, I don't know if you want to recap yeah, so, some of what that segment was, but it yeah. was it, it, it was good. I don't know. I'm sure Black Twitter had a lot of reactions to that. So
2: going back, uh, just stepping taking a step back from our, what we're currently talking about from this week, yes. Jade Cargill made her debut against uh, Cody Rhodes, just a promo debut against Cody Rhodes. back in, uh, I think it was like, it was November and Jade Cargill comes out talking to Cody apparently she is aligned with Shaq in some way, she, she seemed like she was, um talking to Cody and saying that Shaq is the real superstar and Shaq is going to show him and we're, I'm sorry, we were talking about Shaq as in Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball yeah, player. Yeah, in case you were wondering, in case you didn't
3: understand, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, which is a whole a whole other thing. A whole other we'll, have to, thing. we'll have to get into yeah. that some other week, what's going on yeah. with Shaq. But I, it, it, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, we have not seen Shaq on AEW TV yet.
2: Not to my knowledge. Not yeah, to no. my knowledge. I think yeah. Shaq currently he he's a host of Inside the NBA, which is also a TNT uh, show. So it seems like this is just a lot of cross promotion. Um, so she interrupted Cody, and then Brandi Rhodes comes out and confronts her. Um, we will have to i i want I'll. we'll talk about that segment probably separately because I don't want it to bog us down from the waiting room, but basically uh Brandy Rhodes and Jay Cargill had a confrontation It's led to a lot of like dust ups um until Brandy announced she was pregnant so Brandy. now Brandy is um gone and she's gone for at least like nine months of course, and so Jade came into the waiting room segment again to confront Cody talking about how big and bad Shaq is talking about how um Brandy Rhodes uh is pregnant and she can't do nothing and once she comes back she she said I will I'm going to beat that ass um full disclosure Jade Cargill is a black she's a black woman um Brandy Rhodes is a black woman um Jade Cargill she's phenomenal looking she is she's tall her you can see every single muscle in her body like she, she has at least a 20 pack abs she walks as if she's a bad bitch like her character she, from what we've seen is she just thinks she is she is it and she comes in she interrupts this this segment she gets in Cody's face and then she slaps Cody and Not Cody. Yeah, Cody's a man, so he doesn't want to put his hands on her. So she turns around and, uh, this wrestler named Red Velvet comes and confronts her. Red Velvet is also a black woman. Um, and then so it, it devolves into a Jerry Springer like, uh, um, scenario because Jade slaps Red Velvet. Well, Red Velvet slaps Jade. Jade slaps Red Velvet. Then all the other women's wrestlers come and break them apart. Uh, Britt Baker is probably the best in this moment. Like, if you're gonna watch this clip, watch B- Britt Baker in the background, like recording it as if she's like saying like World Star or something. Like, yeah, this, this segment in itself, in my opinion, it was a pretty good segment. Like, I I liked it. I did enjoy it. Like, if I'm stepping back and I'm going into our mantra of wrestling, it's fun. Mm-hmm. This was this was pretty fun. It was pretty amazing. However, I'm starting to kind of question the handling of jade cargo as a black woman in aew yeah. uh mostly because that that segment i say we do want to touch on eventually um when her and brandy were going back and forth it was a lot of um aav being thrown around african-american vernacular english um to the point where brandy had called uh jade ratchet and then it yeah. It proceeded for a lot of white male fans. Dustin Rose, the legendary Goldust himself to call her Ratchet. And Jade Cargill, she is a heel. She is a bad guy in this scenario. But some of her responses have been very um, touchy for me um, from that fan base.
3: Uh, and there's going to be a lot of questionable stuff about pro yeah. wrestling. I think there's a podcast that I would just mention because you mentioned Dustin Rhodes, uh, a podcast called Hold Up, hosted by Grace Leader, who is on the RHAP Networking in the RHP world, talking about just this character of Gold Dust played by Dustin Rhodes. Um, and I would encourage you to check that out. It talks about sort of like LGBT issues in uh, pro wrestling and how really a lot of things uh, may or may not hold up now. But we will be having these conversations a lot about things that maybe in the past didn't hold up and also things now that don't hold up. So,
2: yeah. yeah. So, yeah. again, uh, p- please watch this clip. It was good. The waiting room was really good. Um, again, wrestling is fun. That's that's how I'm taking this approach, and uh, I, I did like it. And Jade Jade herself, Jade Cargill herself, she's doing a pretty good job. She has not wrestled on AEW. She's just been making these appearances where she's cutting these promos. Um, like Matt alluded to, her original promo with Brandy Rhodes was kind of shaky, but um the story itself is pretty solid. This was I think this was really solid in comparison to her first promo. I I loved her attitude when confronting Cody. Um I loved the confidence she brought. So she seems to be getting better and I it, it, I can't wait till she gets in the ring because she she basically came to confront Cody saying, "Hey, when am I going to get my hands on to somebody? I want I want to ch- I want to go. I want to go in the ring and since your wife got was cowardly and got pregnant" You know, set me up so I can I can face somebody. So this is good. I I like it. I am watching. This is one of the things that AEW I am keeping my eyes on. Um, so um, from one roads to another. Oh. Uh, yeah, we're going right into it. Uh, okay. NXT. So NXT. Um, their main thing this week is they are hosting the Dusty Rhodes, uh, classic. The Dusty Rhodes classic is a tag team tournament that, um, started back in 2016 in honor of Dusty Rhodes, um, I think it was 2016 and 2015. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, the,
3: yeah the Dusty, Dusty Rhodes classic. The Dusty Rhodes classic in honor of the legendary All-American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I don't know if that's a good impression or not. I but, am or, just going to let so
2: you wrong. have that. I'm going to um,
3: stop. I'm getting a little too into this. Uh, <laughs> other reasons won't be canceled. Uh, but I no, du- Dusty that. Rhodes is iconic. Yes, he passed away, I think you were saying, in 2015. And yes. he's someone who a lot of wrestling fans will... Reference, not just for his own career, which was phenomenal, but also just for his influence in their careers as they were training to be wrestlers yeah. a lot. I think all really of the, the biggest wrestlers now will reference... Um, not just Dusty in general as as an inspiration, I think that's a whole other thing, but really as a trainer and as a mentor in the NXT developmental system, he was really there to help them shape their characters and find something unique um, that they could really latch onto that really fit them. And he's responsible for a lot of the great yeah. characters in a lot of ways that we have seen over the last uh, five or even 10 years from yeah. WWE.
2: Yeah. And so their way of honoring him after he passed away was to to dedicate this tag team tournament to him. Uh, the people who win the tag team tournaments, they get their name on this really nice, it's called the Dusty Cup. Um, cemented...
3: <laughs> Wait, is it really? A, a, it's the Dusty Cup?
2: Yeah, it's a Dusty Cup. Like it, yeah, I know that sounds funny. yeah. Like, really, yeah really, Dusty Classic Cup, whatever, whatever. But yeah, it's they get their they put their names on the plaque on it and um, the winners get a chance at the tag team championship so uh, it kicked off this week the men's version kicked off this week and we have three matches from it um, I want to get through these as quickly as possible because not many of the matches really were wow um, we had the Young Grizzled, Grizzled Veterans which is a NXT UK tag team uh, versus a tag team called Ever Rise which I, I watch NXT. I, I don't watch it as much as I watch Raw or SmackDown, but I have never heard of Ever Rise, and they didn't even get a um, they didn't get an entrance. Like, they were already in the ring. So that's never a good look. If, if you're watching wrestling okay. and one of the opponents is already in the ring and they didn't get an entrance, more than likely they're going to lose because yeah. they're
3: <laughs> dropped. If you're a Survivor fan, for instance, and you're a deep Survivor fan looking for the edit, looking for, like, the magic. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's kind of one of those things. Like if someone doesn't get an entrance and if you don't know their name because it wasn't announced, probably not going to win their match. I'm just yeah. going to.
2: Yeah. Very purple, purple Kelly, uh, Ever-Rise. Yeah. So ever they lost. Uh, Young Grizzle Veterans moved on, which is okay. Like the Young Grizzle Veterans, I'm, eh, they're cool. They, they're cool. They can wrestle. Um, the second. <laughs> that's the great. second yeah, I know. The second match was uh, Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott. This was a, mish, a mishmatch team. They kind of just were put together uh, versus MSK. So the thing about MSK, MSK, they, this is them making their debut. When they put the, the graphic up, there are no faces. It just said versus MSK. And so it was a surprise debut tag team. MSK comes out, they are introduced as Wesley and nash carter and surprise surprise these are the radicals.
3: The ra- uh, this is the part where i got confused. they're so the they're not it's not the radicals they're the rascal. Yeah.
2: is it Which, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry my bad it is the yeah, rascal.
3: Oh, but like also they okay so <laughs> My people bad. know and don't get mad at them but like the radicals was uh Chris Benoit like Eddie Guerrero like 20 years ago and yeah. mm-hmm. Dean Malenko and Perry
2: Saturn mm-hmm. Yeah
3: so that was them but the thing that throws me off about their name and I was like looking at this clip like wait they used to be called the radicals too is that they have they have a z at the end of their name. I don't understand um the spelling of this, but not not ideal uh for right. 2021.
2: Yeah, the Rascals, the Rascals, that yeah. is uh, yeah, that they are former PWG uh tag team champions and they were last seen on Impact about 3 months ago. So and they had a third man with them. I'm not familiar he apparently he's still unsigned but the only these two members of the rascals made it over to wwe um i'm and they and they won they won this uh match uh because it was their debut match uh they came in with a lot of fanfare apparently a lot of people like them i again i have no uh history with them in impact or or anything else so i am excited to learn alongside a lot of the nxt audience what they can do because they had a great showing a very good showing and um when jake atlas and Swir- uh, isaiah swerves got lost we kind of saw them fighting in the back and medical so it looks like it might be leading to a feud between the two of them so that's always good as well so you know um msk moves on in the dusty Rhodes classic and then, uh finally, we have the undisputed era represented by Adam Cole and Roderick Strong versus Brizongo. What did you think of this match, uh Matt?
3: So this was an intentional There was a lot happening around this match, and yeah. I think this actually uh, ties in a little bit with another segment that happened on the show where yes. um, Finn Balor ended up uh, just really brawling and, and, and being uh, cornered by, I'm going to come back to this match, but being cornered by yeah. um, a number of people, Pete Dunne and uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, uh, who yes. were coming for him. and Then we saw Undisputed Era show up. So there was a lot of chaos happening happening, a lot of brawling happening outside. A lot of
2: shenanigans, of yeah. A lot
3: of shenanigans, yeah. yeah And we did see Undisputed Era come out on top here, but it by no means was just a clean, you know, a, a nice, clean, packaged win. They were able to to effectively win, and I believe the, the win itself was clean, but there was just a lot going on. People were getting beaten up. Kyle O'Reilly was out there. He's part of Undisputed Era, and he ended up with a bloody mouth, and I just don't mm. It was a lot to keep up with, but this one was really fun, especially compared with the other Dusty Classic matches that were happening. The Dusty Cup. Dusty Cup. This
2: this was, oh my god. This was the headline of NXT. This is like NXT is doing, uh, with the Dusty Rhodes Classic, they are trying to, um, highlight tag team wrestling. And this is, this was a very good match to headline because like Matt said, there were a lot of shenanigans and most of that shenan those shenanigans come from, um, earlier in the show, Finn Balor was talking because he had, he had faced, um, he had faced Kyle O'Reilly for the uh, the championship at New Year's Evil. He won. He came out like most champions do. Once they, they're over a feud, he said basically, who's next? I still you know, I'm still that man. You have to come through me. Pete Dunn is another. Uh, he was Formerly a part of the NXT UK roster, he's a former uh, NXT uh, UK champion. He was like one of the longest reigning UK champions, but I I can't remember if his championship reign has gotten usurped now. But Pete Dunn, who was flanked by uh, Oni Larkin and Danny Birch, like Matt so correctly said, um, they w- were previously uh, helmed with uh, Pat McAfee. Uh, y'all if any of the listeners might know, he is a former punter for the uh, NFL who has turned into a podcaster who then turned into a wrestler. Um, all four of them uh, were... Opposite the, uh, Undisputed Era at the War Games pay per view back in December. So now all of the dust has settled between the battle of the, the factions. And so now Pete Dunne is coming for Finn Balor's championship and Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch were there to help him. They started beating up on Finn Balor. And then again, uh, the UE, the Undisputed Era, uh, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong and Kylo O'Reilly came to Finn Balor's aid, which you know is interesting because they used to they used to fight against Finn Balor. And uh, but what this led to was a lot of uh, Bullet Club chants, Mm -hmm. um, a Too Sweet, and. Uh, Which is the hand gesture? Uh, I I do not, Matt. I do not want to get into the politics of Bullet Club.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say, but yes, they were both. Do not have all day. They're both part of Bullet Club: um, Adam Cole and Finn Balor, and also just for context. So, with the main WWE product, Raw and SmackDown, and even the pay-per-views that come up, we are seeing. Uh there there isn't there isn't a crowd for those. There's the the Thunderdome in WWE, which is a bunch of screens all over a massive stadium, over a massive arena. I think it might be Tropicana Field, maybe if that's it or something. So the other thing though is that for for NXT in their smaller space, they have a um Allegedly, uh, COVID yeah. allegedly COVID friendly crowd, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that you know it's they were chanting uh, about Bullet Club too sweet, and so we did see a little bit of tension there between Adam Cole and the rest of Undisputed Era and Finn Balor, and so yeah. it's still unresolved, but it was interesting. Yeah. Actually, at the end of the day, kind of end up on the same side. It's like the the concept of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, which is kind of what I, I felt like we were seeing.
2: Yes. And, oh, my God, I really do not want to get into this, but I, I know our, our listeners need context. But Finn Balor started the Bullet Club like it was at 2012, 2013. There have been so many iterations of the Bullet Club across since until now. Yeah. And uh, one of Adam Cole was the leader at one point of the Bullet Club, um, or a member, I, I can't remember if he had gotten to leader status, but he had, you know, he was a part of the Bullet Club at one point right before he came to NXT. So we now have, a, and so were Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly and um, Bobby Fish were as well. So we have a lot of, uh, what, what would you call it, Bullet Club uh, expatriates that are uh, in NXT. And it seems yeah. like. Lot-
3: and all across the wrestling world by the way you'll hear us mention bullet club uh, at different points where it comes up especially when we have like two former members who are kind of butting heads
2: and that's exactly why I like I don't want to get into it here because I know it's going to come up (laughs) as soon as next week y'all it really is so um uh To see, uh, Undisputed Error and Finn Balor, even at like the end of the show, kind of get on the same accord. It's, it's good to see, you know, uh, WWE's uh, NXT, they do do factions very well. I will give Triple H that credit he's he's doing he does really good at building up factions within NXT so faction wrestling if you if you're a fan of that if you were a fan of like NWO and DX back in the day um, NXT is probably what you'll like to watch because they have a lot of uh, factions in that on that brand and there are a lot of good factions as well so um, moving away from that uh, we had a squash match uh, featuring Zia Lee. so can we this break this down? Some, a little bit? Yes. This because, is going to take some explaining. Yeah, because I
3: I was aware that there was some stuff going on with Zaylee. Zaylee is one of the women uh, one of the women in the NXT roster yes. and over the course of several weeks which I just want to point out, we don't normally get this kind of build. Uh, We saw a number of different clips of um, Xylee and another competitor by the name of Boa basically being trained in, I don't know what you would call it, Mari, but like some kind (laughs) of army hammer comes up again. But like... I mean, we saw it was a dungeon. There was, they were self waterboarding. Uh, yeah. They were basically just like training and beating themselves up until I think a few weeks ago, they were finally released just in time for the New Year's. You know, just in time, they're released from the yeah. dungeon. Now, Xia Lee is back. Boa is there with her. And we have just seen this non-stop killing machine. I, I really feel like Xia Lee, Li, who debuted in. The May Young Classic, which was a tournament that introduced us to a lot of women on the NXT roster,
4: yeah.
3: was, you know, she was she was fine, but she wasn't anything really special. And I know even in the Mae Young Classic just a few years ago when she debuted, that was her first pro wrestling match ever. Yes, ever, yeah. So, and now yeah. we've really seen her... Evolve into something. She's always had this martial arts background, which I must mm-hmm. say I appreciate. As someone who did karate from like four years yeah. old to ten years old, I mean, I'm I was definitely almost a black belt. Uh, but Zylie is <laughs> legit a black belt, and mm-hmm. I think that we're seeing like this cool character that's evolving for her. And the amazing thing is that the excitement around her, the energy around her, is all about character development. Like mm-hmm. it's not even just about who she is and what she's bringing but like this character is is vicious it's almost like a sleeper cell gimmick a little bit with this person who I haven't mentioned because I'm very confused by them, but there's some yeah. kind of, I'll say, godfather type of character who sits at the top of the ramp in a throne setup with some type of mask on. So, so you think of
2: a godfather? I was thinking very, like, sorceress. Oh, like, we, don't, that, yeah. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. It's a very, it's a shadowy figure that sits in, like, this throne seat that overlooks Xia Li's matches and Boa's sitting right there. So, I was getting, I was reading female energy. Maybe that's just me, but oh,
3: yeah, no, it could be God, Godmother. Let's go. But it's someone yeah. who is very much in charge of the situation, even though we've exactly. only seen them sitting in the in the chair. And yeah, there's that there's that energy that we're picking up on. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been interesting to watch that evolve. And I know there's definitely a question of who's under the mask. Which I don't I don't have any theories at this point. I don't think we have enough information for that. But Mari, do you? do you have any theories
2: no i so no because Zia lee it was it was like two months ago back in october Zia lee lost the match she lost the match and before the match she just kept saying i have to win i have to win i have to win she lost it basically due to interference and then the next thing we see is Zia lee and boa in a car and they're just begging like um Please give us one more chance. Like, uh, for oh, also for reference, Ziya Li is I think one of like one of the first like Chinese women. Like she's from China. Like she is like not of Chinese heritage. She's from China. One of the first Chinese uh, women's wrestlers to be uh, signed to WWE. I ministry. think she might be
3: the first.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is Boa. Boa is, is also came in as um, he's not the first because there was another one, but one of the first uh, male wrestlers from china and they they put them in this car they took them to this dark place they started like like matt said they started waterboarding themselves they started training really hard and then they came back and i just we are gonna have some wonderful guests on this podcast uh yeah we will and so um this is not my culture i don't know chinese culture i don't know anything like that so i'm I would really like to get a uh, perspective from somebody who knows this culture because I'm really like again, wrestling is fun, but this kind of seems kind of racially intuitive. Is it just me? Okay. All no, right. it's not just bit. you
3: and also this this, hap- this is where a, lo- a line that I think WWE has walked for so long and honestly yeah. they've probably been able to walk it because so much of the, the fan base I mean they do have a global fan base, but if you're looking at the U S like your typical wrestling fan is, um, you know, a a white man, which is, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, you know, right now. And I think, and I, but I think because of that, like, and even for us, like, we're not, you know, from that culture, so we don't have that perspective. So we're not necessarily able to say, oh, this is, like, offensive or stereotypical. Yeah. But to me, it, it does sound like it might be, Mari. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not the person to post the tweet and ask if it's, uh, if right. it might be offensive. And hopefully yeah. people can answer.
2: Yeah, it's really it, it's really interesting. It's giving off like it's like karate kid if they like kidnapped Jade and, and then made him train. Like that's what it is. That is, they are like they were kidnapped, basically. They were told that they weren't good enough, and then they forced them into hard training until they were good enough. And they came back. Zyalee came out, she had a squash mash against a jobber. She beat oh. the jobber up in front of that. The the hooded figure basically gave the signal to like just murder that jobber basically and she did it. So it's 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 been an interesting storyline it very well is and we will include all of the clips in the um show notes. I'm just I'm glad because Lee has a character. She does have a character. This gave her the character like you said, which is more than a lot of other um wrestlers who are of a different cultural background sometimes don't even get storylines or characters. So it is a character it is a storyline. I just want to know is it walking that line? Is it, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, I, can tell, I
3: can tell you, I mean, one of my reactions just in line with that is that like, yes, it's definitely walking a line. The thing that I don't appreciate, and it would be awesome if there were more voices to speak up about this, but like, all of the all of the Asian characters, and especially Asian women, like, always have something that, a gimmick that relates to their culture. So I even know going yeah. back like almost 20 years, uh, there was Gail Kim. Gail Kim was one of the, one of the first and one of the only, um, Asian, uh, co- 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 she's from Canada, but. Uh, Korean woman. And I know that in a lot of the interviews and stuff that she's talked about since leaving WWE for the first time when she left, which was like 2005, they were really trying to force her into this like stereotypical gimmick. And I know that, um, even going back about 10 years when she returned to the company for a quick cup of coffee, like it was the same thing where they wanted her to speak Korean and she did not have. Like, I don't even think she speaks Korean so they're right. always working to push people into some of those boxes and corners and that's one of the sad things we'll see about wrestling but I think that's kind of another reason why our voices like more diverse voices are important with wrestling just to kind of point out like hey we would love to see Xia Li have a gimmick that's really cool that doesn't relate to her you know her, her yeah. race and ethnicity but that's just me on my soapbox for a little bit I will say though Mari to your point like I I love that Lee has a character now, and I, I really like what they're doing with the women in NXT. Um, you know, just on that note, unless there's anything else you were going to mention on Xia Li, the no. you know just the the other point is that we had the announcement of the first ever. Um, Dusty Roads women's tag team classic the the Dusty the women's Dusty Cup um, mm-hmm. if you will starting next week and so um, are you is there anyone you're excited about seeing anything you want to point out in particular about that tournament coming up
2: I mean they literally only announced these the three team like Three yeah. teams four teams for mm-hmm. it so we do have Candice, La- canis the poison pixie yes and indy hartwell the impressive indy hartwell shall we say oh. um and then we have shotzi blackheart who won breakout star of the year and ember moon who has gone back down to nxt to revitalize her career uh, i think i don't know if they're going up against each other next week but uh one of the main matches that they have um uh advertise for is Casey Catarazaro. That's of uh American Ninja Warriors fame. So any of you guys out there who followed along with our American Ninja Warrior coverage on Rehap would be uh familiar with that. Uh, Mighty no not Mighty Casey. Was that her nickname on American Ninja? I forget. Anyways, her that's a podcast. I know that's not ours. Uh Kate Caden Kate and Carter and they're gonna be going up against uh Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. We're just reading names at this point. Once they actually do something we'll get into it. But I mean, I hope there's more than just these four teams. But then again, if for that to happen, they would have to bring more women in from the different brands. And right now, with COVID spreading, um, like with many outbreaks, I don't think they want to cross do the cross brands. So, um, I love Mar- Mercedes Martinez. We, I know we are both huge fans of Mercedes Martinez, and her and Tony Storm uh, being a team is always good.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to hold myself back. I'm not even, I'm going to hold myself back from talking about Mercedes yeah. Martinez. I have a long history yeah. of her She's one of the people that I saw on the indie wrestling scene a few times um, as I was in high school. So there's a lot to say about her, but I think she's probably like the best wrestler yeah. in the world. And, uh, but that's my opinion.
2: And we'll definitely get into her next week because they do have a match next week. Yes. So uh, hold for that. So we got to get to SmackDown. We got to get to SmackDown Live because SmackDown Live is like, it is such a good show, guys. Um, uh, We always have the clips and highlights in in the show notes for you. But if you're going to watch one wrestling show... And only one—you gotta watch uh, SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live premieres on Fox at eight o'clock on Friday nights. Um, but it's just so good—it's the A show, and it's the A show because of this man. One of the, the one of the reasons is this: man.
3: the head of the table,
2: the head Roman of the table, Reigns. Roman Reigns, the big dog. Let it, me say that
3: name again yeah. because it's powerful, Roman Reigns. Yeah, you could just it's hear true. it, you could feel it. He has that power, that presence.
2: Roman Reigns uh, starts off this uh, Smack Friday Night SmackDown uh, negotiating a contract because last week uh, we had a gauntlet match to decide who his uh, opponent at, Wrestle- at Royal Rumble was going to be. And Roman has had a feud with the WWE official Adam Pearce. Adam Pearce is a WWE official who he he doesn't really have a, a like legit title. It's just like WWE official. He makes matches, yeah. Is, so he's but he's not a general manager, but he does have some power backstage. And Roman has been messing with him for like past week or so, and he rigged it so that Adam would win the Gauntlet match, so that Roman could do a match against Adam Pearce. I think Roman kind of wanted an off. He wanted an off day on the PPV, So he wanted to go up against an official. And um, throughout the whole episode, Roman and his, uh, wh- he's not, what is, what is, uh, did uh, Paul Haven say he is to Roman? His handler, his, you know, he, he looks over his contracts for Roman and he goes back to Adam Pearce and he's constantly negotiating the terms of the contract. Matt, what did you think of some of these, uh, <laughs> these clips?
3: All I'm going to say is, is Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce, uh, which is, Dad. which was his name. The thing is, this all kind of made me look back specifically at Adam Pierce's background and spoiler alert. We, we end up seeing that Adam Pierce, uh, apparently won't be the one who is facing Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, but on kind of the path to that, or on the path to that revelation, we, you know, we kind of get this tease of like, oh man, Adam Pierce is going to be in here. Uh, You know, and the, the amazing thing about him, because I looked this up is that he actually debuted in 1996. So Adam Pierce, who has never competed in a WWE ring as far as anyone knows has 14 years experience on Roman Reigns, so he has been around, and I was surprised to to even see that and hear that. But part of me, you know, is and, and was excited to see him in the ring, just to see yeah. what that would look like. And, it look and, like? and but it, it seems like WWE is going a different direction.
2: Yeah, so throughout the show, Roman and Paul Heyman hound Adam Pearce about changing the stipulations from their match, from a no-DQ match to a last-man-standing match. At the the, uh, final minutes of Raw, the main event of Raw, they go to do a contract signing. Uh, Adam Pearce gets Roman Reigns to sign the contract. Adam Pierce signs the contract and he's he reveals that he's been waiting for this all night. And as Adam Pierce walks away, um he starts feeling that old those old injuries. His knee starts acting up. Oof, and yeah. he says, I he doesn't think he'll be able to compete at the Royal Rumble. So with that being said, card the card is always subject subject to change. If you know anything about wrestling, When they say the card is subject to change, that means anything that they advertise for that night could be switched out. The match could be changed. You could not see the person you went there for because things happen. And Adam Pearce, he's feeling a little, his knee is kind of hurting. So he introduces Kevin Owens is going to take his place in his last man standing match against Roman at the Royal Rumble.
3: I'm so disappointed uh, by this. Honestly, he just needs to get some icy hot and like some, yeah. some athletic tape and then he'll be good to go. Like let's it's fine. It's fine. I know he's maybe not in his prime, but you know what? I want it. I want it. So let's let's see how this all works out. It does sound like we are gonna see Roman Reigns and uh, and Kevin Owens again, but what a yeah. man could dream.
2: I thought that was I thought that was so good because Roman and Kevin Owens have been uh, they've been in a feud since um, November. So they've been fighting. They've been they fought at TLC. They fought on another like they had a cage match. um, Yeah, just to go
3: go back. So Roman Reigns beat Kevin Owens at TLC Tables Ladders and Chairs, a pay per view happening in December. And I'm pretty sure that Roman was saying that his goal was to take. K.O.'s Kevin Owens family.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, he he wanted to before prove that Christmas. he was the head he was the head of kevin owens table he puts the food on kevin owens tables for his family it was did, a very good feud
3: did he buy the family like christmas dinner like maybe a new year's i have snack.
2: no clue i have no clue but i want to
3: know these things
2: he's gonna good. promise
3: to take over the family like take over the family don't play games with us roman reigns
2: stuff like this often happens they- between Christmas and the Royal rumble, that is like a lag period where WWE uses it as a time to kind of reset the board. They might put in placement feuds for their champions, like placeholder feuds. Um, and Kevin Owens has been a placeholder feud. Um, But his work with Roman Reigns, him and Roman always have good chemistry in the ring. And Roman has made it so people are back behind KO because KO has been out of the title picture for a long time. He, you know, he hasn't been as prominent as he was like three years ago or so. So, uh, to see this setup like this, I appreciated it because. It's the same thing. It's it's just an extenuation of the same feud that we've been seeing, but they did it in such a clever way that by the time they announced that it was just another Roman versus KO match, I was still I'm still excited about it because I loved everything they went through. Um, In comparison to something else we'll be talking about later down the road, I just I I like this. I I, I like this, and then it also gives credence to Shinsuke Nakamura was the person that uh, basically got screwed out of a title. Shot because he was the one who really won the gauntlet match before uh, Roman interjected Adam Pearce into it, and so that leads us into um, Jey Uso, Roman Roman Reigns's cousin, and basically his. I, his his what do you call it? I don't goon. want to call him the B word. Yes, his goon. Yes. I what you're to say. Yeah, I don't want to call him that because that's not where Jey Uso is. Because I love. No, uh, yeah, we don't uh, do that. We don't do that here. Exactly.
4: Nah, nah. Maybe our uh, will,
2: but... Right, Jey Uso is Roman's goon, and Jey Uso came out. He he goaded Shinsuke to come out, and they had a a, a match that was really good. Um, and Shinsuke Nakamura beat uh Jey Uso, and um, it it. It sets up so many things because Shinsuke now may feel like he deserves a match at Roman. You know, KO is now... um fighting him. And then whoever may possibly win the Royal Rumble might want to take a shot at Roman. So this is a great, if we're going down our road to WrestleMania, this is exactly where we want to be at. We want to have our champion being dominant and have multiple challengers that seem very credible and we don't know which one will make it to the to. WrestleMania is the finale of the season. You wanna see who's gonna make it to that main event against Roman. And this is just a great setup for it.
5: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere.
3: Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I I mean, yes or no?
2: Yes? Well, no, no, it's going to be a perfect moment. This is the perfect moment to do it. I've been thinking that this was going to be the case. Uh, WrestleMania was supposed to be in Hollywood this year. I'm still not sure what's going to happen because they were saying that they might go back to Tampa just because of. Covid interfered on last year's WrestleMania, so if WrestleMania stays in Hollywood, how can you not do Roman Reigns versus The Rock? Hollywood, like, how okay. you not
3: Hollywood, the legit question. Hollywood, California or Ho- Hollywood, Florida?
2: No, yeah, right. Hollywood, California. Hollywood. Okay. It it. WrestleMania 37 was scheduled to be in Hollywood, California this year. But they, I think they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do because of all the COVID restrictions. LA, I know is right now is basically shut down yeah, apparently. So, it sucks because there's a lot of feuds that would have would have like the place that WrestleMania takes part in is also a big part of the feel of, of the show itself. So Hollywood being the home of the rock, like that would have been great, but we'll see that anything can happen on the road to WrestleMania. So we're going in a good direction for, for Roman right now. So, um, other highlights on SmackDown?
3: Yeah, I want, I'll, I'll, I want to touch on this next one yeah. because there are a lot of fun characters. I think actually, like our highlights for the rest of SmackDown are just a bunch of fun characters. Roman Reigns yeah. is a strong character, but when we just want to talk about having fun, I mean, I have always been a fan of Billy Kay, who yeah. formerly uh, is one of the iconics, which uh, mm-hmm. has two, two eyes, not just the word iconic, mm-hmm. but eyes at the start of it. Um, Billy Kay was tag team partners with Peyton Royce and honestly I think, you know, just from a natural tag team perspective they, they've they been one of the one of the um, I, I want to be careful with how I say this, like one of the best fitting tag team so while the Iconics were never over and never won the, the championships they were oh, always they were always a tag team that people just gravitate to because they were funny they were a comedy act really with a lot of bits there and Billy Kay I think has always kind of been she's been so a little bit short but she is hilarious she has the best facial expression yeah. she's just over the top. She reminds me, um, and I mean this like with no um no malice at all, but a little bit like a Muppet, like over the top. It's like, <laughs> like kind of popping up and like, you know, you know, chirp- chirping away a little bit. Um,
2: enthusiastic, yeah.
3: Yeah, and like visually, if I had to compare her to anyone, I feel like she looks kind of like if I, again for for reality TV fans, for the Big Brother fans. She looks kind of like um I, I think it's like Br- uh Bronte from BB18. Uh just like a little bit of like the like a, a little bit of bumbling nature to her. And yeah. we love that about Billie Kay. It's it's really fun to have her. And she, even though she was not in this match that took place between Liv Morgan and Natalia, Natalia Neidhart, part of the was part of the legacy, the Hart family legacy for those who remember Bret Hart. Um, Billy Kay was very much a participant in this match, starting out on commentary with the match, and then Kind of circling around the ring, standing alongside Liv Morgan's tag team partner in the riot squad. No, none other than Ruby riot kind of egging things on. I'm going to, I'm going to stop even running through this to give you a chance, Mari, because I feel like I'm stealing your gimmick a little bit. Like I loved Billy Kay in, in all of, in all of what was happening from her going from being on the announce booth. To kind of just trying to egg on, uh, egg on Ruby Riot in supporting Liv Morgan, to then kind of just ending up in the mix in the in the middle of things.
2: Yeah, no, you did a great job. Like Billy Kay, um, I don't know why the WWE decided to break up the Iconics. I mean, uh, they 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 did win tag team champions to get to ships together, but I don't uh,
3: really champions for it. I don't oh,
2: man. yeah, it's very forgettable. They That's were. Only there they were a team they were tag champs for like three months or something like that, but they never had them on t v they, oh. they were on t v yeah that it was it was funny
4: yeah. right yeah they,
2: they took them, they took them off of uh Bailey and Sasha, so yeah, they were at WrestleMania. The, at WrestleMania, and they did nothing with them after that so it's unfortunate because the iconics the reason why they fit they feel like they fit together so much is because they've been best friends since they were fifteen. They they're both Australia. They're for, both Australian or from Australia. Uh, they they trained together over there. Then they came to WWE at the same time, and they've been a tag team since they stepped foot in WWE in like 2015. So they were there. Unfortunately, I think they were casualties of. Uh, Vince not liking tag teams like that, and they were broken up. And so, since they've been broken up, Billy Kay, because Billy Kay is on SmackDown, Peyton Royce, her um, Iconics team member, is on Raw. Um, Billy Kay has been trying to find <laughs> a place where she fits in. And so, Billy Kay has had this great uh, gimmick where she's running around, giving people her resume, trying to be. Billy Kay is so funny. Like, like Matt said, she's so enth- over enthusiastic. Uh, very childlike enthusiasm. Uh, she needs. She needs to be somebody's manager. She really does. And in this match, she is trying to be the Riot Squad's manager, but she ends up costing Liv Morgan the win. And I just want to gloss. over... I just don't want us to gloss over that the Liv Morgan versus Natalia match itself was really good. Like yeah. with, with Billy Kay on, you know, on commentary being very distracting, and you know, her and Ruby like. Being distracting. The match itself was really good. Like, if you want to talk about building stars, Natalia knows how to build stars. Natalia knows how to get in the ring with the younger girls and make them look like a million bucks. Liv Morgan is a good wrestler, period. So her and Natalia working together in that match was just amazing to watch. Even for the, I want to say it was six minutes that they had. It was really good. They had, they showed really good uh, chain wrestling moves, but Matt, like you said, Billy Kay kind of just stole the the, the show because she accidentally cost Live the the win, and she was trying to she was trying to be in the Riot Squad, and the Riot Squad are looking at her like, "Girl, no." So, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where Billy Kay goes from here. I'm excited, you know, the the Riot Squad. I hope they find a way to get to the Tag Team Championships. Uh, Natalia and Tamina are great uh second generation third generation wrestlers um so this i love this segment just because it had so many women in it and they were all being used well
3: yeah and i think that's that's one thing i will point out and i think you know i i've always considered myself a fan of women's wrestling and i know you i'm sure the same goes for you Mari. but Mm -hmm. like i think the thing that's interesting that I mean just the reality is that so much of the stories that they've been given or that they're working with and then how they execute on them are just stronger than the rest of the rosters so I mean I hope no one's mad that we're we're covering the women but like be mad the women are awesome the women are are really killing it at this point and they're making the most of every single moment that they have on yeah. on the screen which leads to more of those which leads to those being highlights in this yeah. podcast
2: WWE, the one thing that I w- I will flat out say it, I don't care, it's my opinion, but uh, WWE, the one thing they have over their competitors is the women. They highlight, they have such good talent in the WWE, and they highlight a lot of them in such a good way that I, it's the main reason why I go, I, I will probably never give up WWE. My famous, re- my fame, my favorite wrestlers, uh, m- Sasha Banks my most favorite women's wrestler is in WWE and until she leaves I'm probably going to be here with WWE that's not saying that any of the other women in like AEW or Impact are are bad it's just saying that um, I like what they are doing with the women here in WWE
3: but they're not Sasha Banks so yeah. uh, again be, I don't know who's mad but I just <laughs> want to say be mad I don't know why yeah, right.
2: so uh <laughs> women speaking of the women uh we got another segment premiered this week we got uh the ding dong hello show by bailey bailey uh who was one half of my favorite uh match of all time uh she they gave her a show they they gave her her own wet wrestling segment um, and she had on no, none other than the great Bianca Belair, the EST of WWE. The
3: fastest, the, the I was gonna say best, but that doesn't sound no. great. The no.
2: fastest, the strongest, the smartest, the,
3: yeah. best, the, the best. Let's yeah. go, Bianca Belair. What
2: were your thoughts on this, Matt?
3: I really was a fan. I think uh, more than anything, this segment was fine for them. Like, I think it was strong. I've loved how Bianca Belair has has shown up lately because WWE is doing a good job of not making a fool out of her. And I think part of it might just yeah. be like how she engages with the storyline. But to give an example, we found out from this segment that Next week we're going to see Bailey and Bianca Belair go head to head in some kind of obstacle course, which immediately I'm thinking of Survivor, because I've been watching yeah. a lot of Survivor lately, uh, which takes me down a whole other rabbit hole of like who would be better on Survivor. But with that, neither here nor there. Uh, I think that that you know these two are are really phenomenal. I I always I think we're going to give a ton of credit to Bianca Belair always, but you start out the show by talking about the match between Sasha Banks and Bayley at NXT Takeover Brooklyn. And, you know, at that time, what we had from Bayley was a gimmick where she was known as the hugger. Essentially, she was just this upbeat person. She, she had her little side ponytail, her headband, bright colors, and she was a fan favorite. A lot of people looked at her as, you know, that that's you know the, the John Cena at the time, or even bigger than John Cena. I'm sure some people would have would have said at the time. And we have seen Bailey in the last really year and a half, a little bit less than that. Just have this heel turn first and foremost, going from being a, a good guy to a bad guy, so to speak. Um, and it's been really powerful just to kind of. Yeah. Watch her adapt even with the pandemic and the crowds going away. Bailey has thrived and this is another strong example of that. And and I mean I think in pro wrestling, it takes two really great talents to tango and to make magic. And we're mm-hmm. seeing that here between Bailey and Bianca Belair.
2: Yeah, exactly. So um Bailey, her the genesis of her going from the ultimate babyface to just one of the most obnoxious heels of all time is just so great to see like because people don't realize it takes a great wrestler to be able to do both it uh-huh. takes a great wrestler to be able to, to play a compelling babyface and a heated heel and yeah. so um, Bailey has been a um a, he- a heel a, a bad guy uh, since last year she turned heel last year and in- I October. In 20, uh, 2019. 2019. 20, 20, sorry. I'm, no, sorry. They, it is yeah,
3: 2021, no, right. isn't it? Yeah. You don't know what year it is. It's fine. There's been a lot. Uh, a lot's right. happened. It's 2020, 2020.
2: I don't know her. So, um, know yeah. Her. So, <laughs> Bailey turned a uh, heel uh, in October of 2019. And she has just been on this amazing run. She was a SmackDown Women's Champion for 380. Days, the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion, and she recently lost her title at Hell in a Cell to Sasha Banks. They had a great feud again. The, no, every time they touch, it's just magic. So Bailey is now finding her way outside of the title picture, and she is excelling at it. She like again. You, one, you have to be a good baby face, good heel. Two. You have to be able to be relevant outside of the title picture. And this is what she's doing. Her and Bianca Belair have been going back and forth again since, um, November, since around, uh, Survivor Series time, right? When, um, Actually, right when Air came over to SmackDown after the draft, they have been taking little pot shots at each other on social media. Please go check out their social media because both of them do really well at social media. Um, Bianca is saying she's the EST of WWE. And Bailey is like, how are you the EST if I'm better than you? And their whole feud has been this anything you can do I can do better type feud so the natural progression to an obstacle course is just so funny it's so good it's so compelling and it's wrestling it's so fun it's so fun because Bailey is a heel she's a bad guy but she's fun at it like I love a good fun heel like you don't have to be a big badass all the time you can be fun you can be delusional and still get people to root for the good guy and Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on my soapbox. We're both on our soapbox here. But Bianca Belair is such a good talent. And I love this segment here because Bianca uh, Bailey starts t- saying, like, how are you calling yourself the EST of WWE? And Bianca says, I call myself the EST. It stands for, you know, it, she's the smartest, the fastest, the strongest. That's uh, say NXT. I meant WWE. I'm sorry. The she EST was, of WWE. Yeah, it, she'll be
3: the EST of whatever she wants yeah, to be. NXT WWE. Like yeah. give us any, give me any letters, and she's gonna be the EST. That's how she, she
2: she was originally the EST of NXT when she was in NXT. So now it's the EST of WWE. And she says, uh, to Bailey, she says, why are you getting so mad when I call myself the EST? I'm just, I am just living up to my potential. I am not saying that to degrade you. This is me being me in the fullest. And Bianca has gone on record saying that. The persona that she puts out is because she wants to show black women in particular that you can stand up you can be confident you can be yourself you don't have to dim your light and that is such such a good message to put out to women and i love how she got that across in this segment as in like i'm not saying i'm better than you i'm saying that i believe in my abilities i i am the greatest i i love myself enough to to put that out into the world and this was just a great segment just for people if you didn't know that about her you do now
3: yeah yeah and I think the I don't really have much to add to that other than like let's keep watching like let's see what kind of unfolds there because it will be exciting like again Bailey has been nothing but entertaining Bianca is just like rising Continually rising to to, into her shine, into her glow, so to speak. Not to steal Naomi's gimmick, and you know, we. we, I think it's let's wait and see how this evolves. But I am really excited to see her in the Royal Rumble in a couple weeks. The thirty woman Royal Rumble, uh, where to win you throw your opponents over the top rope because she did phenomenally last year. I have faith in her. I don't. I'm not ready to make my picks for the Royal Rumble yet, but Bianca is definitely up there for um, not just I'm sure both of us, but for a lot of people who have been watching lately.
2: Exactly, and like uh, her and Bailey had. They had one match. They they they've been teasing this feud out so well. They had one match, and it was amazing. It was it was so good, and hopefully, we'll get to talk talk about it more. Next week they're doing the obstacle course thing. I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be so hilarious. And I honestly can see that I I, I don't want to call it either, but I can see Bailey and Bianca. You you feel like they have to be a part of that like final four in the mm-hmm. Royal Rumble. Or they one of them needs to cost each other the Royal Rumble. Like this is a type of feud going into the Rumble that you watch once they're both in the ring like this is this is perfect road to Wrestlemania you know through the rumble that this is the type of feud you want to watch out because you always love those feuds that um that you, you you just got to see, you just want to see it. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Let me keep going because I can talk about Bianca Belair and Bailey like all day. Yeah. Right? And
3: just even before like diving into the, into like the last highlight, um, do you want to like just talk through the honorable mentions and then we can get through that, the last highlight yeah. that you have there.
2: Yeah. SmackDown again, like I said, if you, if, if you can only watch one wrestling program all week, Watch SmackDown Fridays at eight because on Fox. Because um, I, I the, picking highlights. I really just wanted to write watch the whole damn show on my notes yeah. because it was just so good. But um, honorable mentions for highlights: Daniel Bryan and Cesaro had a great match. I mean, if you want to talk about pure wrestling those men can throw down and they are so technical with it. And I just love Daniel Bryan is he was, (laughs) he was in the alpha Academy with Gable and, um, Uh, Otis training with them, and um, it's just so funny. Daniel Bryan, they they keep saying that Daniel Bryan has never won a Royal Rumble. He's never won a Battle Royal. So I do think again, you know, as we get closer to Royal Rumble, we'll we'll have our our thoughts on who we think we can win. But you got to throw Daniel Bryan's name in the mix. And for those of you who aren't uh, very familiar, if you've watched Total Bellas, uh, Daniel Bryan is the husband of Brie Bella.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think that Daniel Bryan is exceptional. He is the leader of the Yes movement. So when you think a little bit about pro wrestling and mainstream crossover, like one of the things Mm -hmm. is that uh the yes movement's very gifable. You might have seen people pointing up with their index yeah. figures doing the yes, the yes chant, and so mm-hmm. that's a lot of what what Daniel Bryan has brought into the world, and he is just so lovable. He is an environmentalist he's just a great person in general um has the cutest baby uh babies I think at this <laughs> point so uh, yeah daniel bryan I, I this is like the just to kind of point out some of the characters who I'm sure, like Daniel Bryan, hopefully sometime on the road to WrestleMania will shine a little bit more, so we could talk more about him. Exactly. But definitely great, great, always great stuff from Daniel Bryan.
2: Yes, and uh, Apollo Cruz had a match with Sami Zayn. This is a good match. Uh, Sami Zayn is such an awesome heel. He's he's such a good, a good heel. Uh, Apollo Cruz. We'll keep our eye on Apollo Cruz because we saw him last night. He was talking to Roman Reigns, so that's interesting. The Our, our, w, our WWE Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. Um, and he... he Apollo Cruz has been a career babyface, but he won the match by grabbing the tights, so a very heel move, a very uh, bad guy move. And he then got into Big E's face. Big E um, uh, the one who, uh, Matt said that he loves his gimmick. Biggie is a current inter, uh, intercontinental champion and he was at ringside because Sami Zayn is the former intercontinental champion and Apollo Cruz wants a shot at the intercontinental, intercontinental championship. So Biggie was at ringside. It was very funny. He was watching the match him and Ap- Apollo Cruz started like jaw jacking at the end of it to the point where now they're going to have a match next week. So Apollo Cruz versus Big E is on the docket for next week and I'm I'm glad to see where this goes. Apollo Cruz is showing some fire. He's showing some like like he's about to uh, do a heel turn. So um again, SmackDown in itself was just such a good a good watch this week that it kind of pains me that we have to r- rush through it, but we've been talking entirely too uh, long. Matt, do you want to um, introduce our final segment?
3: Yeah. So, I'm, and well, actually before our final segment, I do, we need to talk about Sasha Banks. Oh my god! Oh, it's that. awesome. <laughs> okay, I'm. You're. I'm really hyped for Sasha Banks right okay. now. I'm like yeah. her theme song. All that. Look, let's dive into Sasha Banks. We didn't get a lot of Sasha Banks this past week on SmackDown, but what we did get, actually, number one, Mari, is this the first week that we got the, the name of Carmella's Somali.
2: Reginald, no, we. Reginald's name has been mentioned like maybe a few weeks. We, you, uh, If you didn't remember uh, it, that's fine. Like, you. honestly, can't yeah. It, it, yeah. So, I, like, the reason, okay. Tell me. I love Sasha Banks. Sasha Tell Banks me. is my favorite wrestler, like I said. But, uh, 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 not, uh not her best, not her best. Like, not, not, her, it's not her fault. It's like, like fun. I said, I, I like how, how Roman Reigns ended up just facing Kevin Owens again. Like, but they did it in such a really cool way that I was like, okay, it's just another one. Sasha Banks versus Carmella. Sasha has been dealing with Carmella since, what was it? October, November. Some, I don't know. They've been, they've been feuding for months now and I'm over it. I'm not going to lie. I'm over it only because, um, I want to see Sasha in there with a different opponent. This
3: feud <laughs> that is was such a diplomatic way of saying it. Like, I would like to, I would prefer to see anyone but, but Carmella. Carmella <laughs> yeah.
2: Basically, because this, this feud is coming off very um, housewives. It's coming off real housewives. All they're doing is throwing champagne into each other's faces. Uh, Sasha and Carmela are very beautiful. They're getting in their most beautiful outfits just to throw champagne in each other's faces and saying, "Oh, I look better than you. You look better than me." Like, uh, you know, it's just very housewives. So I I do think this is a highlight because we got a just a, a quick clip of Carmela and her sommelier Reginald um speaking. weren't they speaking to somebody? They're in an interview. They're doing
3: they, an interview or something, right? I just, don't know. Yeah, I don't, it, well, yeah. What's what I was focused uh, this look. Okay. There was a lot. There was a lot that happened in this show. There was a lot that was going. But they were standing. They were just standing where Sasha Banks kind of uh, comes in and is like, "I want Reg." Well, actually, she wanted to beat up Carmella. That's kind of the way that it is. Yes. Sort of but Reginald got yeah. in the middle, which I thought was interesting because. Sasha's definitely thrown him around uh, a little a bit month. or a lot over the yeah. last several weeks, um, last couple of months. So month, the fact yeah. that he was going to get in the middle of that, and Sasha didn't just take him out there, he he Reginald better be thanking the th- thanking whoever he wants to thank for the fact that he he you know still is is walking around and moving around that he doesn't have a, a, a an injured jaw like Kofi Kingston because Sasha right. does not play so. Yeah.
2: Carmella wanted another shot at the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Sasha Banks came and said, uh, I will give you a shot at the Royal Rumble if I can face Reginald. So uh, it looks like Sasha versus Reginald is on the calendar for next week, which is, if you guys know anything about WWE, intergender wrestling is just like not their strong suit, which, Mm. because there's a lot of indie promotions that are really good at it. um, But wwe isn't so this is interesting in a sense but honestly i just i can't wait for sasha and carmella to fight at royal rumble with any luck be the god you know uh sasha uh wins um beats carmella and then we can move on down the road because i this feud is okay i get it they're using it to reintroduce carmella's character but I this is not what I come for. When I come for my women's wrestling, I I don't really like these storylines of I'm better than you. I'm more beautiful. I right. get more engagements. I'm more viewed. Like I get more views. Like this is it's petty, but
3: yeah.
2: It's still Sasha Banks, so I'm going to watch it.
3: We'll take it. Yep. We'll take it. We love Sasha, but we're we're rooting for better. We want better for her. Yes. What's the hashtag? Give maybe it's hashtag. Give Sasha a chance.
2: Let's not start that. <laughs> Let's not because woo, they get that when you get them hashtags going. People, you know, the haters come out too. So it's yeah. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait this out.
3: We will. We will. But now I think it's time for our final segment the shoot and yes. mari do you want to just introduce what really quickly what a shoot is in case it's not clear what a shoot is
2: yes in wrestling uh we as you've seen we've been using a lot of wrestling terms as we go along we're sorry we're trying to get in the hang of remembering to explain it um but the shoot um, the term "shoot" in wrestling, its origin comes from like like shooting straight or shooting from the hip. It means when you kind of go off script. Uh, when a wrestler is doing a promo and they're doing a shoot promo, it means that they are basically just doing like unscripted, unplanned, and they're just talking from their heads. It's not because uh, a lot of wrestling is scripted, shocker, um, but some of it isn't. Um, shoots have also have uh, evolved into meaning like um, when you kind of like. When when you're going off on somebody like you're you're kind of just like digging into them, dragging them, stuff like that. Um, our shoot segment will be it'll be a little bit of both. Some weeks you'll get us where we're riled up about something and we'll go off. You know, then there are some weeks where we just use it to gush about certain wrestlers or certain certain storylines. So it just depends on what we're feeling this week. Yeah. So, and this week
3: we both have shoots. We're not always yeah. going to have shoots, but this week we both do. Mm -hmm. So Mari, do you just want to drop your shoot and then
2: Yes, so I am going to do my shoot and I am trying to compose myself so I can keep this
3: short and sweet. I'll also say I don't know what what happened so fill me in.
2: Okay so this week on Wrestling Twitter, uh, Charlotte Flair she retweeted a, a article there was an article that said basically uh charlotte flair the article itself said that they didn't like charlotte flair's booking she was all, always getting put in the title title picture you know she she's always getting uh, opportunities that other women aren't getting and charlotte decided to retweet this and then she decided to t- talk about how she's getting these opportunities because she's a gifted athlete not because of her You know, she's the daughter of Ric Flair, you know, not because of that. She talked about how she elevates stars. Um, She talked about how she spent 18 months on her on her back staring at the lights, which means she was trying to elevate a star. And she basically had this very um, visceral reaction to this article which then started a visceral at reaction on wrestling Twitter as some people are in the camp of Charlotte Flair is only pushed because of nepotism and some people as Charlotte Flair is the greatest women's wrestler of all time so I Take personally I Take know a
4: breath.
2: Take a breath. I a personally breath. am not the biggest fan of Charlotte Flair Ooh. uh not her not her herself because i think this is what she missed from that um that article it's her booking that article specifically talked about her booking, but she took it kind of personally. She even um, she even kind of referred to it being as sexist, saying like if it was a man in her position, nobody would be questioning his accolades and stuff like that. Which is just patently untrue because right. even in that article, they pointed out John Cena, The Rock, and Roman Reigns have had problems with um, you know being pushed seem to be pushed down people's throats and have had bad reactions to that. So, for me, Charlotte Flair, Madam, Sweetie, <laughs> um, you are a good wrestler. Nobody Ooh. can take that away from you. She is a she is a good wrestler. She's a she's great wrestler.
3: You said good. She's good. She's, she's great.
2: She she is she is. But the facts are the facts you do not draw, you do not sell merch, and you cannot be away from the title picture. So I cannot say that you are the greatest women's wrestler of all time you will probably go down wwe writes their own narratives they they will write the narrative that you are the greatest women's wrestler of all time this is what they are doing she has 13 title reigns at this point they're trying to get her to her father 16 it's so apparent we already know what's happening at this point all of us just want her to get to the 16 so maybe we can move on to something else um she has been afforded opportunities that a lot of other women don't which is fine but when you try to pretend that it's not because of some of the privilege you hold within the wrestling um industry it's kind of like you're calling us stupid we know um but i will not sit here and say that you don't um that you haven't risen to the occasion you know what i'm saying like at least if she she is over pushed in my This is my opinion. She is overpushed. She's she's just like Roman Reigns. People had had problems with how Roman Reigns was pushed. Charlotte is pushed two times worse than he is, and she doesn't get as much guff as he does. So I that was another reason where I didn't see where that sexism comment came in. Um, But like,
3: and I'll also just jump in and say for those for anyone who like obviously there is sexism within wrestling, and Charlotte is in this specific. Case, that's just, you know, that's what Mari's Yeah, talking about. I mean,
2: and, and again, I'm not, I don't want to invalidate her experiences or anything like that, but I just don't see how you, with a straight face, cannot take in the privilege that you afford, the the status that you afford, and, and say that this is all, like, you've earned every single thing of this, because... Uh, wrestling is scripted you know it's scripted and those accolades that are given to you they are given to you um but the the proof is in the pudding bailey becky sasha have outdrawn Mm. her uh, ratings wise they becky sasha have have outsold her in merch alexa bliss has outsold her in merch you know what i'm saying and charlotte Away from the title, title picture is non-existent. She's constantly in the title picture because it feels like she needs to be in the title picture. If she's not chasing the title, she has. There's just I have not seen any good character or any feud of of Charlotte outside of the title picture bailey and sasha have proven time and time again that they can be without a uh, uh, out of the title picture and still be relevant and charlotte cannot say the same so i'm not saying this to sit here and belittle or bully or be a hater for charlotte i'm just saying madam like you have been afforded a privilege due to your name, but you have risen to the occasion. I will never take that away from you. At least you are being pushed. When you are being pushed, you do put on good wrestling matches when you want to, because I feel like she has a little bit of that Randy Orton in her, where if it's not the right occasion, if it's not the right opponent, she'll sometimes um, phone it in, again, my opinion. But she is good at what she does. So that's why I'm saying like, you can be good at what you do. You can be, um, afforded. And still be afforded opportunity, more opportunities than other people. Like it's this, you know. It, that's not like mutually exclusive. You can be a really good wrestler, good, really good wrestler, and then also be over pushed and and, and um, handed opportunities that other women aren't. Can we please look at how she's never been pinned at WrestleMania? Most of her WrestleMania losses are in multi woman matches where she does not take the pin. Like I, oh God okay (laughs) i am just gonna stop there because i can i can go on about how many women's wrestlers who face her have hit brick walls after facing her she Mm. says that she elevates talent she has never elevated talent the only person that she can even halfway claim that she elevated is becky um but becky also took the ball and run ran with it other than that nobody else nobody else sasha her and sasha's feud she needed sasha she's on record for saying that she needed sasha to elevate her so please get out of here with that and i'm trying not to be negative on a wrestling podcast that we said to. Was to be fun but this is the segment for it if i'm going to be negative it's going to be right here and i just had to talk about this because it's been it, it's it's, we've been talking about this for weeks, on uh, a whole week on wrestling Twitter. And I just had to put my two cents in because it's just obtuse. It's just obtuse of her to not think that her privilege and her nepot, like the, the, just the way the inner mechanics of wrestling works, that she has not gotten more opportunities than women. They just handed her the women's tag titles just so she can say she's a Grand Slam champion now. Like, come on.
3: I really like Charlotte Flair. uh, But everything you said definitely makes sense. I think the thing with Charlotte, I'll say just to jump in before even getting to my shoot, is like she is insanely talented. I will put Charlotte Flair above not, like most of the women on the roster because she in yeah. terms of work rate and her delivery, she's just getting to a point where like she didn't used to be good at cutting promos when there were people you mentioned Sasha Banks as another one. And and right. I think Sasha is someone who it's tough to talk about in this context because we saw Sasha and Charlotte really side by side and hand in hand, and they were so pivotal to each other's growth. And I think in that right. case. Sasha wasn't given the opportunities that she deserved so yeah. i think like that's not a new story that has happened no, for not, decades yeah. not just um women you know certain women but specifically women who are black women and also people who are like not your traditional like blonde uh yeah. blonde woman i think of Trish Stratus and and mm-hmm. this actually kind of segues into what I want to talk about. By the way, I will say that part of what I wanted to shoot on uh, was that wrestling is supposed to be fun, and it is. Yeah. But, but actually, what I wanted to talk about was this news story. Um, and even just like thinking about it, it's so um, dark, but also not surprising, but also it like captures a lot of what happens with pro wrestling. So um, just to dive into it, we mentioned early on as we were starting. Um, One of I I mentioned that someone who I've always seen as this uh, incredible inspiration was a performer by the name of Lita, and Lita uh, debuted in WWE about uh, 1999 or 2000 alongside Trish Stratus, or you know, around the same time, and they really had careers that overlapped time and time again, and so they're really thought of as two of the uh, top. Yeah. Pioneers, really, in the women's division, especially at that time. But the thing that that um, came out, which, again, I don't know how surprising this is, but there was, you know, uh, where do I even start, Mari? So Mm -hmm. let me drop let me drop something on you at this point. So fun fact, I have actually had the opportunity. I have interviewed Lita. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah. So this was in 2019, and you know, part of like what I what I do outside of talking about wrestling on this podcast because there's we do it lives outside of just the podcast is just interviewing change makers and people who make the world a better place. And it's funny, even calling her Lita because I just think of her as Amy. In that sense, yeah, we talked a lot about just why she shows up to make an impact and make a difference in the world. But um, we didn't talk as much about her wrestling career just because she's been asked about it ad nauseum. One of the things that that Amy mentioned at the time is that you know this is mid 2019; she was just getting more comfortable um, coming back out there and being in front of fans and interacting with the fans. So I believe during this pandemic is when she actually got on Twitch and started to really build a community and interact with people there. And so, you know, she's been sharing a lot of herself. I would say go check it out. I believe that her her Twitch name is official, Amy Dumas. But the, the really amazing thing is that just in the last few days, she shared a story from her wrestling career about how, in short, WWE threatened to fire her Um, In line with something that is infamous and uh, unfortunately known as the live sex celebration uh, from WWE history. So for those who aren't aware, the live sex celebration took place, I believe, in January 2006 is one of the first things in the year. And right before that. Um, Edge, who I have mentioned earlier on multi-time world champion known as Mr. Money in the Bank, the rated R superstar, I could drop all of the different, the ultimate opportunist, all of that stuff. Yeah. Edge just won the world championship at the time, or the WWE championship, and to celebrate Edge and Lita decided to have a live, quote-unquote, live sex celebration which involved a bed in the middle of the wrestling ring. By the way, this is like me going back to uh, I think tw- uh, maybe 13-year-old Matt Brain at the time. Uh, they might have also been PG by that point or maybe just on the verge of it. So,
2: on the verge, like yeah. that.
3: But, but, you know, the story goes that I'll say Amy. Like Amy, thought it was a bad idea. John Cena, who was featured in the segment, thought it was a bad idea and pushed back against it. Um, Edge thought it was a bad idea, pushed back against it, and apparently WWE threatened Amy and said, "You know, you're going to be fired if you don't do this segment the way we did." And there were there are different details in there of how they wanted it done, but it, it ended up just being this thing that even at the time, I think people knew. Like this is a bad idea. What is going on? Like keeping in mind that 2006, it was. I mean, it was 15 years ago. This Mm -hmm. happened 15 years ago, almost to the day. Now that I think about it, also like people knew it was a bad idea at the time, and the fact that Amy is sharing, like, yeah, they threatened to fire me for this is. It's it's interesting because in one sense, like I struggle with like wrapping my head around it because it's like. Mm -hmm. WWE, you know, has really not had a great history when it comes to women. What's sad is that um, Amy's character, Lita, was just one of these trailblazers and this inspiration I went on and on about that earlier on. But to hear that they threatened her job for that, and then also just to look at it in the context of by the end of 2006 um Lita she retired and and ended her career and we've seen her appear at different points she appeared in the Royal Rumble a couple of years back in the first Women's Royal Rumble in in 2018 and we have seen her vocal and speaking out but like it's it's so it's painful to think about um what she went through and I think a big revelation that I do wonder how you know if anyone's going to address, address that, uh, what happened and, and Mari, I'll, I'll let you jump in.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say, was it 2006 that she retired? I thought it was 2009.
3: No, 2006, she retired. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It okay. was an, a much shorter, a much shorter career than it, it probably could have been or should have been. And I, and it definitely sounds like this was a factor in it. Um, okay. the other thing I'll just say that I think is interesting, um, more broadly is like, you know, this happened to to Amy slash Lita and she shared this. Amy shared this story. Um, I know she was working on a project with Christy Hemi, Gail Kim, um, who are two other women who were in the business in WWE at the time called Kayfabe, which is about like sharing stories of women in the business. So probably stuff that's a lot like this, but... All to say, there are a lot of stories that we do not hear. And I think it's so powerful that she could speak up and be heard. And I think there's, there are two ways to look at this. One is through the negative lens of look at what WWE did. This is horrible, which it is, but also like from the perspective of, okay, like what can we learn? How can we make sure that more of these people have the voices to speak up and be heard? Cause like, Amy's up there. Like she's, she did it all. She's one of the top women in the history of the business. And so, like, she could speak out. And I hope that this means that others who've gone through similar things, because I'm telling you, I'm sure that this is not the first time. I'm sure they weren't saying, let's go to our top, one of our top women. And uh, tell her that that she's going to be fired if she doesn't do this live sex celebration.
4: Right, um, exactly.
3: So I think that maybe this is a positive in the sense that we're going to start to, hopefully we start to hear from more women. Last year um, in June, there was the whole speaking out movement, which I won't even get into. But a lot of yeah. women sharing their stories, which was powerful. And so, um, you know, Amy went through it. She's able to talk about it. She's still out there doing her thing. Most of her Twitch channel is just her having a fun time and having guests on and talking with people and all of that. Um, but I think the, the key I'd want to say is like, Amy is a human. All of these wrestlers are humans and I think we need to remember that. We need to remember that mm, their stories exactly. are real and sometimes the conversations on this podcast might get really real, but it's in in honor of those those people those humans, and we're so yeah. glad that they could speak out and find their voices, and that we could kind of like boost that up a little bit along the way.
2: Exactly, and with that, I mean this has been great, Matt. This is uh, this is our first episode. This is crazy. I I still am pinching myself to say we are here. I am so glad I get to talk about wrestling with you every week. Uh, We're covering multiple shows, so it might get this long, but um, I'm just so glad that we're doing this. And I just want to thank you for being here. Um, Anything you want to say before we wrap this up?
3: Yeah, I'll just say I'm so thankful for everyone who's been here. I'm glad that we could provide all the context and hopefully you're here with us for this journey, especially Um, looking at now through Wrestlemania, this is the yeah. road to Wrestlemania and we're going to have a number of just really epic guests from the oh,
2: amazing yeah.
3: R.H.A.P. community. I'm, you yeah. can hear it. I'm smiling right now. I'm overjoyed because it's going to be really great to get their perspectives and just like have fun. That's what this mm-hmm. is about. We're going to cover wrestling. We'll dive in but like we're here for the people who want to have fun. That's our team. And so yeah. If you're having fun, definitely um, get on board. I don't know why I was going to get in promo mode, but I'm like, uh, after yeah. this podcast, share this podcast, send yeah. it to a friend, tell tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, as yeah. uh, the iconic Bryce Isaiah of the Purple Pants Podcast would say. And you know, Mari, you just wrap wrap us up. Wow, it's it's sad though. We're gonna miss talking to all I know. Of our listeners. Until so.
2: Until next week, uh, you can find me at Mari talks too much on Twitter. That's two, like the number two. So Mari talks too much. Uh, Matt, where can we find you?
3: You can find me at Matt Scott GW. I don't know what the GW should stand for. Maybe great wrestling this week. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Scott GW, um, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing from you all with your thoughts. I'll also mention that uh, if you want to, if if you're looking for a hashtag about the podcast. I, I mean, Ooh. definitely hashtag RHAP is good, mm-hmm. but hashtag Wrestling Rehap Up, that's Wrestling RHAP UP. Uh, if you want to join the conversation and just see who else is listening and talk with them. Um, but we're so glad that you're here and that you hug yeah. with us. And we are really looking forward to having you on the journey these next several weeks as we get ready for WrestleMania.
2: Yes. And until next week, uh, protect your face. Uh, always, always land on your back taking a bump and watch out for any flying elbows. Uh, bye, everyone.
3: Bye,
0: everyone.